Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta, and I am joined by my counterpart, Carrie Lambert, sitting on the chair behind me. Oh, sorry. Hold on one second. He's not on the chair. It's Carrie. <laughs> you look like a politician running away from a question. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I wouldn't do that. That's that's how Trudeau responds to truckers. Uh, or you could just go honk honk. Yeah. No, if, you, if you say honk honk, he'll end up with a fake illness and quarantine. Yes. So what are we talking about tonight there, Chris? Oh, boy. We got a good one tonight. So okay. as some people know, anyone who pays attention to the Facebook page or reality for that matter, um, there's been some interesting developments with the Alberta Prosperity Project and organization of which I still 100% completely support and uh, love what they're doing. And one of the things was the resignation of the chief executive officer, Dr. Dennis Modry. Now, for those of you who know Dennis Modry, Dr. Dennis Modry, he is a heart and lung transplant surgeon um, from like 150 years ago. At least. He's not that old. I believe he started in the 70s. As a matter of fact, uh, I saw on the internet a picture of him doing the first, I can't, I'll, we'll ask him, but I think it was one of the first transplant surgeries in Canada, I think. And I looked and I thought, man, he looks so young. But it was so long ago, they actually had the reflective mirror on the top to, for the light instead of lights. But we'll let Dennis explain that one. So that's what we're doing. We're going to talk to Dennis Modry and, and ask him what's going on. A yep. hornet's nest has been poked and there's a bunch of hornets and flies buzzing around. And and uh, I think we need to uh, have the opportunity to swap them down. And if I can just interject one quick thing, just like we do on the APP weekly webinars, if you have a question, please put three question marks before the question uh, in, in the comments. And then that way, as there's more and more comments done, uh, it's just easier to flag the questions. So please put uh, three question marks. There you go. That's yes. all I want to say. And to be clear, we don't see all the questions. We can't respond to all of them. Yep. We're going to do our best. Do that today. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times we get some questions like, why aren't you talking about lizard people or something like that? And we're just not going to answer a question about lizard people. That's not what yeah. this is about. Um, we want to have a discussion about uh, what Dr. Modry is doing. Yeah. Uh, how it uh, it works with the APP, what his plans are, those types of things. We want to answer some questions and actually clear the air of a lot of completely asinine rumors that I've had emailed to me and sent in Facebook messages over the last few days. Yeah. So that's our goal tonight. Fair? Good goal. I love that goal. And I'm actually feeling a little bit lucky today. <sighs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little pabst. I don't know what that means. Cheers. Cheers. We haven't done that in a while. To freedom and to truth. So and to truth. In That's that true. on that note, let's uh welcome Dr. Dennis Modry to the Chris and Carrie show episode. We have no idea because we don't keep track. <laughs> Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, gentlemen. Nice to be Thank here. You. Good. Yes, thanks for joining us. I know uh over the last few days probably the last couple of weeks uh, we've talked a few times and you got a lot on the go you've been a really busy guy that is true so um let's talk about the elephant in the room yeah i was gonna say how do you want to start i saw a picture of you doing the first transplant 
in, I believe it was Canada. And he no, looked quite a bit younger. The first in Western Canada was 1985. 1985. Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago. No, to yesterday. Yeah, right on. <laughs> well, um, so first off, thank you for doing that. Um, you've, I know you've saved countless lives over your career and you've pioneered areas of medicine that have made impacts for people all across the world. And that's very significant. And I've said this before at Alberta Prosperity Project um, events, that what I see you doing now with Alberta, with Alberta Prosperity Project, and I'm sure with your future endeavors, it seems to me like you're seeking to transplant some failing organs in this province. And regardless of what people think of politics or rumors or this and that, I know that's what you're doing. So I want to say thank you for that before we begin and start answering some of the questions that are about to come up for sure. All right. Um, well, let me give you a little bit of a background. Um, so the Alberta Prosperity Project, of course, has been a labor of love for me for the last couple of years, um, even though it was launched in um, in March of last year, the end, or February last year. I've uh, been working on it for much longer than that. Um, and um, I obviously, I didn't think I would be um, resigning, but you know, things happen in life and um, sometimes decisions have to be made. So on February the 4th this year, something very devastating happened. Um, <clears throat> which is really was it is impossible for me to resolve completely, if at all, um, but very much adversely affects me and my family. So, um, Absolutely, take your time. <clears throat> yeah, so we had a board meeting on February the 6th and I informed the board that I was gonna be resigning due to this issue. And on February the 7th, I drafted a letter of resignation, submitted it to the board. And over the last few weeks, I've been trying to navigate this problem. Um, and um, at the same time, um, there are much bigger problems than my problem and my family's problem. And and of course, this gets back to the whole issue of um, what's happening to Alberta, what's happening to Western civilization. So, mm -hmm. so I was thinking, well, I resigned from APP. Um, and of course, the purpose of APP was, as everybody should know, was to create a movement that any political party could get in front of. And, um, and so I was thinking about that, thinking about my own family, personal um, problem. And um, it has nothing to do, Lana and I love each other, we're still together, so that's nothing, nothing like that. But, but in any case, um, I was thinking about, well, what, what could I do uh, given this problem that I couldn't resolve remaining with APP. And um, so I thought, well, um, should, I, should I take the APP momentum 
to a different level, to a different platform. Um, and about, I don't know, the 19th or 20th of this month, or February, a um, couple of weeks after I resigned, um, I thought, well, we're facing an existential threat to our very way of life. And this province has the ability uh, to save itself and maybe save the rest of Canada and be an example for other areas in the world. So I uh, thought, well, I wonder, um, knowing, and, and one of my frustrations, of course, has been, has been the inability of the independence movement to get their act together and to come together under one banner. But when you when you talk about independence, or when I talk about independence, and, and you guys will know this because you've heard me talk about it, it means different things to different people. Sovereignty means different things to different people. And you'll recall, some of you will recall that the founding principle, the first founding principle of the Alberta Prosperity Project was Alberta will be strong, free, and sovereign. So I keep that word sovereign in mind. And um, we learned a lot in this past year. And when we redrafted the business plan, um, the term sovereign um, was important. It's a much stronger term than independence or, or autonomy. And so in the context of the idea of Alberta sovereignty, the question comes up, well, what does it, what does it actually mean? Because it means different things to different people. And for those who haven't heard me say this, um, whether you want to use the term sovereignty or independence, people have different perspectives on it. And one perspective is of Alberta sovereignty is Alberta remains in Canada with complete control of its wealth and affairs. Another perspective of sovereignty, you'll see where I'm going in a second. Another perspective of sovereignty is Alberta remains in Canada with some control, but perhaps significantly greater control than it currently has now. Another perspective is Alberta leaves Canada and joins the U.S., the Alberta 51 concept. Another perspective is um, Alberta leaves Canada and becomes an independent sovereign constitutional republic. And a final perspective, of course, is Alberta leaves Canada along with Saskatchewan, perhaps Manitoba, perhaps the territories, and perhaps some or all, some or all of British Columbia. So these different interpretations of sovereignty are, I'm thinking through in my mind, recognizing that none of them are achievable without leverage. And this goes right back to the 2003 document that I drafted for Ralph and Caucus, Alberta at the Crossroads Status Quo Refederation Autonomy. And um, in my mind, autonomy at that time and independence. And so the whole issue became an issue of leverage because if the provincial, it's the provincial government, whatever party is in power, that's going to negotiate terms of a new relationship of Alberta with Canada. Any one of those outcomes are only achievable if the provincial government has the leverage to achieve the negotiations from a position of strength to get one of those objectives. 
So I'm thinking about this and I'm recognizing that, well, the independence parties are pretty much already aligned with the objectives um, and the necessity for a referendum on secession. And as I've said to many people, and they know this, when you have that secession referendum, you've, you've empowered the provincial government to negotiate from a position of strength, triggers the Clarity Act. And for those who don't know what the Clarity Act is, the legal pathway to leave Canada. But the fourth paragraph of the preamble very clearly states, negotiations might lead to secession, which means that negotiations might not lead to secession. So if you want to galvanize the forces um, in Alberta and you want to have a majority, a plurality that would support a referendum of that magnitude, you've got to be able to ensure that every one of those five outcomes for the people that want all of those outcomes, that they realize they need to come together to support that secession referendum, to empower the provincial government, because it's that government that's gonna do the negotiation. The outcome is determined by them. It's not determined by APP, but APP creates the movement. And there's two ways, of course, to get to that secession referendum. Um, one of which, of course, is the voters, 600,000 um, individuals can by the Citizens Initiative Act, uh, force a referendum, because that is a legal process to force a referendum on secession in Alberta. The other way is for the provincial government to ask for that mandate from the, from the population, because they might be so motiv motivated to do so that they're dealing with an intransigent federal government that's continuing to destroy Alberta's economy. And there are, there, there are so many issues uh, of frustration that we, that we all have, um, not the least of which is being overgoverned, overregulated, and overtaxed, not the least of which is wokeness, cancel culture, critical race theory, tearing down monuments, rewriting, rewriting history, changing novels um, to suit the woke crowd. Um, uh, not the least of which is the impending digital ID and programmable central bank digital currency, the ESG score, to control us completely and totally and forever in perpetuity. Nobody wants these things. We want out from Bill C-69, Bill C-48, Bill C-11, Bill C-21. We want out from equalization. We want a, a Canadian healthcare system that works, that that unlike what we have now functioning in the lowest quartile of quality at the highest quartile of cost. Um, and the list goes on, um, the education system and you know what's happening with educating that there's 35 different genders and supporting puberty blockers and gender affirming surgery before the age of 18 is crazy. I mean, the majority of the population doesn't want this, but there is a small number of activists that, that are creating these problems for society. So I'm saying to myself, we're facing this existential threat. We know that the agenda 2030 of the WEFUN is to reduce our hydrocarbon output by 42% by 2030, and it'll happen before that. It's already starting. And same thing with uh, one-third reduction in agriculture. So we're facing this existential threat. And I'm saying to myself, what can I do 
other than what's been done to help. It came to me the idea, well, I wonder if I could be a force in cabinet. Now, which party is going to likely be competitive in the next election? Is it going to be one of the independence parties or is it going to be the UCP or is it going to be the NDP? Well, you know the answer to the question. So I'm thinking to myself, given that the provincial government under Daniel Smith has already announced what we've been educating the public about for over a year, that they're going to take, they want to take control of policing, pensions, immigration, employment insurance, provincial tax collection. That's a good thing. I'm thinking that's a good thing. They're going to try to negotiate ending equalization. It isn't going to work because for anybody who's listened to me, you can't get over those five hurdles to change the constitution. We don't have the leverage to deal with regulatory overreach of provincial constitutional authority. There's some weakness within the spine, in my opinion, of, of caucus. Um, Dennis, I got to interrupt you for a second. I got a question to ask just you. One, just one other question. So the question, or one other comment. So the, the point sure. that came to me was, should I run um, and try and fight this battle for Alberta and Albertans within government? So I had a conversation with the regional director for Edmonton, which is Vince Byfield on the, on the 21st of this month. And then I spoke to the, because I'm in the Riverview riding, I spoke to the president of the Riverview riding and had a discussion with him. And then on Monday evening, I met with their board. But in my, in my opinion, I've made no commitment um, that I was going to run um, at all. You might say I'm kicking the tires. So whatever came out publicly is premature. Okay. Would I be interested in fighting this battle from within? I think I would be. Does it solve my personal problems? No. It's certainly a distraction from them. Um, but, um, you know, for people who think that, that this is something that's been on my mind for a long time, this would have never even crossed my mind had it not been for what happened to me on February the 4th and my family. And we had that conversation before. We talked about this. It was almost, well, it was well before the leadership race. I actually phoned you and I said, you know what? How much would it shake up things if I actually entered that leadership race within the UCP? Mm -hmm. And we had that conversation. You and I had a conversation about how we could be most effective and what we could do to, to, to help this province. And both of us had mm -hmm. said, continuing with the APP and, and bringing this message of, of freedom and prosperity through independence was yeah. necessary no matter what government was in place. So, you know, I, I know that we were, we were aligned there. Yeah. So the question I would ask, if you didn't make this change, and of course, risk the, um, you know, the, the wrath of people that just don't understand. And you continued on as a CEO of APP. Would you be, would you have been able to effectively do that job knowing what's on the line and meet your obligations to your family? No, that's why I resigned. So 
I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that probably was a very difficult decision because out of everybody that's been involved in this organization and had this conversation about independence, I don't think there's anybody that's even even got a tenth of the time into this that you do. So was that was that an easy thing for you to do or like was this a I mean it's a it's a silly question, but I I got to ask it. No, it wasn't it 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 wasn't easy, but I was so devastated on February the 4th and 5th and 6th. Um, I couldn't see a path forward for me within APP. I wouldn't have been able to focus. Um, and I'm still dealing and I'm still not sure how I'm going to solve this dilemma that my family and I are in. So, um, but I'll figure it out. Um, I'll figure it out somehow. Well, um, I'm going to put this out there. Uh, there's likely hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in this province that consider you an asset and, and they, you know, and they want to see you doing something. So I would suggest, as you've suggested to me before, that, uh, you know, the plan B, first of all, might be better than plan A. And there's a lot of people in this province who are more than willing to stand stand up with you. So don't don't forget that. And I'm I'm, I'm what I'm doing here is I'm using your own words back that you've said to me from time to time. Chris, you reminded me of something. Um, one of the uh, most famous intellects in this world is Jordan Peterson. <clears throat> Jordan went through a very tough time as well. Um, and he's come back and he's come back in a different way. His plan B also has the potential to save Western civilization as we know it. Um, and um, I view him as an inspiration. As do I. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly under attack. I mean, he's under attack by the, those on our side who who say they want to solve these problems, and yet they're lashing out at people like Jordan Peterson, even. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get down to some nitty gritty stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to remind people that when we do these shows, uh, I don't tell Dennis what I'm going to ask, and we don't talk about these things before. And Carrie will attest to this. We have about a thirty second intro, and we say, "Ready to go? Let's go!" And we wing it. Yeah. So everything that you see here, this is all off the cuff. It's 100%, it's real and, and legitimate, and, and it's not scripted. So everything that we talk about here, um, it's not prepped. So one of the things that's come up in the comments and some people that I, you know, I, I consider like my extended family have said things to me that were so disappointing, I almost wanted to lash out at them. And one of them was, you see, Chris, do you see now, this whole time, Dennis has been receiving funding from the UCP, and this whole thing has been to support the UCP. Now, I know that. I know I know the reality of that, but I want to let you speak to that a little, little bit. Well, you know, as for someone who has an evidence-based background, I'd like to see the evidence um, that would support that ridiculous statement. Mm -hmm. I've never received a cent. APP has never received a cent from the federal government or the provincial government or any government at any level at any time. Um, 
So I don't know where that came from, but I can only surmise that um, when you go through life, you find that there are people who like you and people who don't like you. And for people who want to see you fail, they're going to come up with, you know, statements that are completely bogus, completely untrue. Um, and all I can do is deny it. Um, there's, you know, what an, another approach would be, if you want more evidence, speak to our C, speak to the CFO. Uh, and the CFO will tell you that, I mean, he looks after all the money that comes in. I'd ha I have no access to the account either. I never did want any access to the account. But any funds that have come in to fund the Alberta Prosperity Project has only been um, from individual donors, nothing from anybody in government. So that's a complete lie. Okay. So one thing that's been cited as evidence to me was um, the, the Alberta Prosperity Project has recently, only recently, been using wording that's aligned with our current UCP government. Um, so that in itself, is that not proof that the, the Alberta Prosperity Project is aligned with the current government and is advertising for them? That, that also is ridiculous. Um, like I said before, our first founding principle was Alberta will be strong, free and sovereign. Um, we, know, we knew from um, courting businesses that the term independence was a turnoff. Um, and we were labeled completely as uh, an organization that um, was an advocate for um, independence, meaning Alberta leaving Canada. Mm -hmm. And so when I described the five interpretations of independence or the, or the term sovereignty, independence had lost its cachet um and was a barrier for us to access funding from business sovereignty on the other side of the coin has been legitimized very much in the eyes of the public as a consequence of the alberta sovereignty act and and using the term sovereignty talking to business was opening doors and it's surprising that, um, you know, um, just around the time that I resigned, and even even as late as today, um, there has been tremendous support um, that has come to my attention in terms of helping to finance um, APP. It hasn't come forward yet. I need to pass the information on to the to the new interim CEO, um, Reg Lavoie. But um, it's like I said before, um, we create a movement, the provincial government, a party gets in front of that movement who's in power that can actually make something happen. The fact that, that we use the term sovereignty in our business plan and in our messaging and on our website, and the fact that it happens to dovetail with, with the use of sovereignty by the UCP is completely irrelevant in terms of shilling for the 
for the United Conservative Party because the Alberta Prosperity Society is a nonpartisan registered society. And so Leighton Gray has eloquently addressed this subject as well at the board level. And, um, and all I can say is that, is that it's, it's the height of stupidity to think that using a term um, in the APP messaging and on the website that just happens to be one word that's the same as the um, the UCP provincial government is, has used in the Alberta Sovereignty Act. It's the height of ridiculousness to think that they're linked. They're not linked. They're not. They're not linked at all, other than the fact that that the term sovereignty has greater acceptability in the eyes of the public now, and it's much easier to use the term sovereignty. Um, um, with respect to APP getting the, getting the message out. And for some people who don't like that, they are particularly involved and, and have been very supportive, even though they work with APP, but they've been very supportive of one of the independence parties. And so they particularly didn't like the term sovereignty, but they're, they're fabricating um, a, a linkage that doesn't exist. And something that I noticed, and this actually occurred to me yesterday, there wasn't any uproar when other members of the Alberta Prosperity Project leadership team resigned and took on leadership positions within an independent within an independence party, nor when other operational members were involved and engaged in another independence party. Um, it seems to me like some of the attacks that are coming, um, they're based on the the statement of the APP shouldn't be advocating for any political party. However, if it's seen as they're advocating for one party, it's okay, and another, it's not. Now, that's just my opinion, and maybe it's not. That's not the case. But it's I, I would, like I would just say that things have uh, progressed in the last year and change, right? Even when it was formerly the Alberta Unity Project, and then mm -hmm. it changed the Alberta prosperity project. I know even when people left at that point, there was only a certain number of numbers uh, of members. And I know there were people that got flack about that. Yeah. Right. Jumping ship. Things are just starting. Yeah. But I think the thing now is that we're well on the course and we have a group of people that have now jumped ship, if you want to call it that, but just left for various reasons. And I think that's what that's what people are more concerned about right now is the optics of February. What what happened? Like a year after APP officially formed, now things have changed. Are we still Some, going down that same path? Are we are we changing? Sometimes I would say that, and and I know this from personal experience. There there's things in our lives like a lot of us that are involved in these things. We're not independently wealthy. We're not re retired or on a pension or whatever. You know, we have obligations. I, I have a business to run. Mm -hmm. And I spent two years doing as much as I could, probably more than I should have. I exhausted my resources doing it. And I think if we're, if we're looking at people and the human aspect of this thing, maybe we should start trying to be a little bit more understanding that 
sometimes we don't need to know all of the details on somebody's personal affairs and just have this ability to to judge them from the sum of their their actions what they've done what they've been trying to do the the words they say and use that and and keep that in mind so that when something like this happens we don't automatically think the worst and we can actually say you know what Dr. Modri is a good, he's a good man. I've watched him do good things. He says good things. So, you know, I don't need to know all of your personal affairs, Dennis. I, I just know that um, I, I trust that you want to do the right thing and help this province. You've been doing it, for, trying to do it for 30 years. Well, you and, know, you know, Chris, you bring it, you bring up something that reminds me of, um, you know, you look at values and um, uh, in my career, people put their trust in me. Um, unfortunately, I put my trust in others, <laughs> which have let me down economically um, at more than more than one more than one time. Um, and so so in terms of trust and integrity and and um, you know, the various, various values, but maybe may, mainly trust and integrity. I did nothing with respect to APP to compromise my integrity. Um, and I did nothing with respect to APP to, um, um, you know, cause someone to lose trust in me, uh, except for maybe people who, um, have a different have have a political agenda, um, and I have no political agenda. If you think me running for the UCP is a political agenda, it's not. It's 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 an agenda to save Alberta from a different platform. Um, if there was another if there was another conservative uh, party that uh, um, that was in a position of strength um, to potentially win the next election and I was in exactly the same position very likely I would I would uh, have supported that that uh, not supported it but um, find mm -hmm. myself asking the question should I try and work within the system to make the changes and um, you know um, I I just personally feel that, you know, over the many years and the the uh, vast amount of knowledge that I've attained um, shouldn't go to waste, and um, and I enjoy speaking to people. I enjoy giving presentations. I enjoy trying to use logic to educate people with. Um, and perhaps I'm naive thinking that I can do this uh, within government, but if I don't have an opportunity to try, then, you know, um, what, what am I going to do? So I don't think that's, I don't think that's naive at all because with, with the Alberta prosperity project, we're, we're, I describe it as preparing people's hearts and minds to do the right thing when the time comes. And it's the political side whose job it is to win those hearts and minds. And if you, it doesn't matter, for any of you out there watching, it doesn't matter if you support the United Conservative Party or the Independence Party of Alberta or even the NDP. Um, if if that's what you 
if that's where your conscience tells you to go, that's your business. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a member of Take Back Alberta or if you're a member of the Alberta Prosperity Project or any of these groups. Um, these groups are awareness and educational groups. We're trying to accomplish something. I mean, some of them are certainly more politically biased than, 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 and some aren't. But at the end of the day, um, what you do to try and raise awareness and win hearts and minds uh, ultimately is accomplished with a, a a ballot with a vote and the idea that that it, it could be wasted either way is is ridiculous mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the things i was thinking about as well when i made the decision to kick the tires um, regarding running was despite how hard we have worked collectively with thousands of volunteers and very bright people on the operational team we've had zero traction with the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And um, were it the case that I had an opportunity um, to serve in government, depending on the portfolio or whatever it is I was doing, and I had an opportunity to use a different platform that would have potentially the attention of the mainstream media, the messaging of um, protecting Alberta's interests and our individual freedoms, rights, prosperity, and self-determination um, might gain a lot greater traction. Now, you know, the excuse me, the Alberta Prosperity Project is, sure, we got 10,000 members and there's over eight, nine, excuse me, eight, 900,000 engagements on social media, but we haven't attained the um, magnitude of growth that I was hoping for at this particular point in time. Agreed. That was not, that was not the reason for me mm -hmm. resigning, but it is something in my mind that compelled that was one of the reasons that compelled me to um, consider the the possibility of um, working within government on this objective to save Alberta. So, so that was a, that that was another that was another consideration. And I think you know I think that you know the the strength of the Alberta Prosperity Project is with the is with the members. And the members need to help the operating team and the board, as far as I'm concerned, um, to grow. Um, and that comes with helping to finance the tremendous cost of marketing, advertising, um, paying people. Some people need to be paid um, if they're you know, working full time because um, people need to put uh, food on the table, right? So, so this is a big project. I mean, nothing like the Alberta Prosperity Project has ever been done before. Um, and um, it's very interesting to me that various organizations have indicated to me that they want to work with us. Some of them said, can we merge with you? Um, there's a lot of work to do. 
um, the business plan that we worked so hard on um, contemplates a 30 month, roughly a 30 to 36 month time horizon to get to a point where sufficient members of the public are educated to understand what's coming if, if nothing is done and what they can do um, or what can be accomplished uh, if they come together for common cause and are willing to empower any provincial government that is in power, but to empower them in a way in which that government can, that provincial government can de definitively protect Alberta, which it can't do now and it because it just doesn't have the clout uh, to do it, but it could, it could. And of course that's, that's what, what we've been working on for so long. And as you know, I started it in, in 2003. So I've been thinking about this for a tremendous amount of time. And this would give any government leverage? It would give any government leverage. But I think, I think as well is that if the, the secession referendum is a tool, that's all it is. It's a tool. It's a tool that, that, that the provincial government can use to restructure Alberta's relationship with it within Canada or with Canada. And, um, any one of those five outcomes that I talked about earlier, um, are potential. It depends on what the provincial government negotiates, but it may not be able to negotiate anything if it doesn't have the leverage to do so. So for people who are, you know, frightened about a secession referendum, they shouldn't be frightened, um, about it because if they want the kind of individual freedoms and rights and prosperity that is possible, and they want to get out from under the wokeness and cancel culture and being overgoverned, regulating tax, et cetera, et cetera, all of the things I talked about earlier. If they want that, they should be willing to stand up for it. Um, as my good friend Ray Nelson used to say, if you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. And so, you know, Canadians are a nice people and many of them don't want to rock the boat, but there's a small group of activists that are really harming Alberta and they're harming Western civilization and and it's maddening and I think the Alberta Prosperity Project has the potential um, to empower the provincial government to protect this province and be an example for the rest of the world. I agree. So again just to, to clarify for the viewers that maybe have shown up a little bit later you're basically just kicking the tires on whether or not you will put in your name for a UCP MLA candidacy. Having never done this before, it's it's a significant process. Yes. The CA has to approve your candidacy. Yep. As a nominee, and if there's somebody else interested in running in that writing, yeah, and they have to have a runoff vote yep. by the members in that writing. And then after that, the nominee goes to the provincial board and there's some, some process there yeah. that they evaluate the candidate as well. And as you've seen, um, some people don't get, get approved such as, you know, in my opinion, a very capable individual, Tim Hoan. I thought was a wonderful candidate. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I don't, 
I don't um, I don't think they can catch me on social media because I don't do much social media personally. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't usually look at it. So so uh, so I don't know really what's there. Um, although I do have a Facebook and Twitter account. I don't think I've ever twit- tweeted anything. Um, same thing with LinkedIn. So I can't. Um, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that, that, that's a process. So, I mean, for me running, it's, it's, a, long, it, it's a long way. Um, the writing itself uh, would be a challenge because um, what I learned is that um, 70% of the eligible voters voted in the 2019 election and two-thirds went to the NDP and one-third went to... Uh, the UCP, so it wouldn't be a, uh, it wouldn't be a cakewalk. No. Yeah, uh, but I wouldn't if 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 I do make the decision, I'll probably make a decision by Monday, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, something like that. If I do make a decision to run, um, I know that um, I, I I've just this came out the other day, and I have no idea how it came out. But I've absolutely been inundated with people willing to support a campaign, which flabbergasted me. Uh, anyhow, there's uh, a lot of people in this province that that want to see you in a position of influence within the government. Well, um, I, I mean, it's 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 certainly possible, um, but I don't know. I don't I don't know if it'll happen. It's like I said, I'm dealing with the personal issue and I'm weighing this and and. Um, and uh, you know, weighing what uh, what the outcome of my meetings on Monday will be, um, and uh, after that, uh, I have to make a decision because time is of the essence, and and you know, there's this pre-writ campaign, um, and I've never door knocked before, so my legs don't work very well, so it's going to be a challenge to do something like that. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm thinking of all of these things, you know. Of, how I might pull this off if if I'm going to do it, but if 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 I if I do do it, it's like with APP, I'll I'll uh, go into it with everything I got. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so with that said, uh, Lloyd's asking Dennis, what are your plans if you lose the candidacy? Um, I guess Plan C, and I don't know what Plan C is because right now I'm kind of dealing with Plan B, so. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know the discussions I'm having on Monday are not completely, um, are not completely related to, um, politics, they're mm-hmm. partly related to, to what I can do to, um, save myself as it were. Um, and, uh, so this is, this is an issue as well, I'm, I'm sorry, Lloyd, I, I, I wish I knew the answer uh, to your question. I don't. I didn't know what I was going to do after I resigned mm-hmm. um, for a couple of weeks and until I thought of, I keep reflecting on all the work that I've done with APP and all the knowledge that I have. And so how could I deploy this in a different fashion? And so it was only, like I say, in the last few days that, that I uh, thought about 
running as a uh, as a candidate for the UCP in the Riverview riding. Mm -hmm. So if if um, if that doesn't if that doesn't work out, then I I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm just I just don't know. Um, I'll cross that bridge, you know, uh, when uh, when I get there. So. Well, I have a feeling that whatever it may be, there's going to be something exciting on the horizon. Well, I don't know. Um, there could be, um, but there there isn't anything on the horizon right now that I'm that I'm contemplating other than other than this uh, challenge. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've never really liked politics per se. Um, you've seen how people get treated. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, for me to talk about being over-governed, over-regulated and over-taxed or any of the other things that are of concern to me, such as property rights, I'm a firearms owner, I don't want my firearms confiscated. Um, that's not going to sit well with a lot of the people who think differently. Um, but, um, you know, I will stand up for what I believe in. And uh, what I believe in is pretty clear. It's right on the Alberta Prosperity Society or Project website. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So even though you've taken a step back from APP, are you still willing to speak on behalf of APP, attend meetings? I think that's, Carrie, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, APP, or the Alberta Prosperity Society, as as you know, is a registered nonprofit, nonpartisan society. Yeah. Um, and the only way I think it would be legitimate for the Alberta Prosperity Project to have someone like me speak is if the project also had somebody speak from the other parties as well. Mm. Um, because I really do believe that the Alberta Prosperity Project and the society needs to have a clear wall between being nonpartisan yeah. and the political, the yeah. political environment. So, um, I think this is a question that the um, the board of directors uh, needs to answer as well. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, there's a brilliant constitutional lawyer litigator in Jeff Rath, um, and Jeff will understands the nonpartisan nature of the Alberta Prosperity Project. It does not want to be at all deemed a third-party advertiser, mm -hmm. um, and and as a result, I think that the uh, the probabilities of me speaking um, would be um, only possible if it were demonstrable that other political parties uh, were speaking as well. Yeah. Doesn't have to be at the same time, but as long as there were, for example, was a schedule that you know ardor was speaking Marilyn birds was speaking um maybe yeah. rachel was speaking if possible um, and then myself that kind of uh, that kind yeah. of a process i think yeah. uh, very important to for app to maintain a nonpartisan perspective 
I'd be very interested to see what Rachel Notley would have to <clears throat> say In to a line up like that. Prosperity yeah. Project supporters. <laughs> well, she might she might come on um, with the right invitation if if just she was the one speaking. I'm not sure she would come on in a debate format or a, yeah. a forum in which there was an exchange of ideas. Rachel and uh, Danielle were just speaking this past week at a tourism, uh, I'll call it a conference. And basically they were, they were talking about promoting uh, tourism. Now they weren't on the stage at the same time, mm. but they were talking about, uh, you know, basically getting people, getting, getting people to come back to Alberta because uh, we were told that it's uh, tourism is actually the second biggest industry according to what they were well, saying. Were they, so they, were they at the same venue? They were at the same venue. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. They well, should have come to the to the whistle stop. We get they, tourists coming here to see the whistle stop all the time. From Saskatchewan and Manitoba and BC. But Chris, you're Chris and Carrie, you guys are famous. So it's no wonder. <laughs> you know, it's no wonder. You have international fame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is so, true. When I was in Holland, uh, some of the groups there actually were like very excited to speak to the Alberta Prosperity Project uh, board or oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, talk about how they can do this sort of educational thing in Holland because there's also an exit. I don't know if people realize that, but that the independence movement thing is not just Alberta. This is happening all over the world because mm -hmm. there's people just like us who don't want to go down the own nothing and be happy path. Yeah. And yeah. they've realized that sometimes you have to be willing to stand up and say enough is enough and not go. So that's where there's an exit. Yeah. There was something very interesting that came up the other day. I was watching on Fox News, and it was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's been painted, you know, um, in a certain light by the left. But she came up with um, a concept that is not a bad idea, and it 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 wasn't um, it 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 wasn't a, a division of the U.S. It was a uh, devolution of federal power to the states so that if people love living in a blue state, they could live in a blue state, but that blue state would have far more control um, for its own affairs. And the red state would have far more control and the federal government would have less control. So it's not dissimilar to the concept of um, sovereignty for Alberta within Canada um, if Alberta has far more control or complete control of its wealth and affairs. It was an, inter it was an interesting parallel that I, that I observed um, that she was advocating. And so, yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't talking about uh, the U.S., parts of the U.S. separating from another. It was it was really a restructuring of how the Federation operates. And so isn't that what we're talking about here in Canada as well, is looking at restructuring how the Federation operates. Mm -hmm. um, and the Federation in Canada may operate with or without Alberta. Who knows? Or well, the problem is, provinces. the problem is it's being operated as a Federation when it's, it's, it's actually a confederation, which is against confederation or against <laughs> Federation. And yeah. that's the problem we have in Alberta. It's not that, you know, the way the structure of the of the confederation is designed, but the boundaries aren't being respected. Well, they are. We need are. some leverage. Yeah, yeah, and and, um, and yeah. So, Lloyd has another really good question. Mm 
Uh, Dennis, in your opinion, why did the membership of APP top off at 10,000 members? Um, well, that is a good question. Um, and I'm not sure I specifically have an answer uh, to that question. Um, but if I were to, uh, if I were to suggest a reason, um, it would have to do uh, with the fact that um, there has been some internal discussions within um, the organization. Some of that has undermined the the Alberta Prosperity Project movement. Um, some people were disgruntled about, you know, like I said, the the change in messaging. There were other people who were disgruntled about um, Rebel News and the Alberta Prosperity project hosting the UCP forum, uh, leadership forum, I should say. Um, and of course, the design of that was to um, increase the profile of the Alberta Prosperity Project to generate some money um, and to try and get the attention of the mainstream media. Uh, so it was partly successful, um, partly not successful. But if anything, uh, the most important reason I would say is that we have not had the financial um, support mm -hmm. uh, that we require. When, when we, when we reevaluated what everything, everything that we've done, and we recognized where we could have done things better or different, it all boiled down to money. Um, to pay for the marketing and advertising that is required. I mean, people don't realize that if you're using digital billboards, if you're using um, um, multiple radio stations to get messaging out, um, if you're um, using um, mainstream print media to get messaging out, this costs millions of dollars, yeah. which we never had. Um, and so, so that's, that's part of it. Part of it had to do with the fact that we were using the term independent and that turned off a lot of people. Uh, and so, you know, the movement in terms of membership grew to a certain point around 10,000. I think it's a bit more than 10,000. Um, <clears throat> but what, what's interesting to me is that the many more hundreds of thousands of engagements uh, on social media. And we know that from Meltwater uh, analytics. So we get that we get that data. We know exactly how many engagements, how many followers there are, et cetera. And so that's far greater than the number of members. Um, and so the influence of APP has been substantive. We've influenced not only hundreds of thousands of people, but we've also influenced um, the current UCP government as well in a very Aha. significant way. Not the other way around. <laughs> we were having these conversations. As a matter of fact, we were at a dinner with uh, now Premier Danielle Smith mm -hmm. well before this, in which yes. we were talking about some of these things. So this isn't, this isn't a case of the Alberta Prosperity Project changing to suit the government this is a case of the government using terms and 
phrases that we've been using right from the very beginning. Yeah. And I would yeah. say that's a success. Yeah. That's 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 the exact that's exactly correct, Chris, and that that is what has happened, and I know this uh, from <clears throat> as well from communication with uh, people within government. Um, so, um, and actually, there's a lot of people um, uh, within uh, within the government that absolutely love what APP is doing. Um, uh, in terms in terms of educating the public, the way in which we've been educating the public. And so, um, you know, I would have heard uh, a very different perspective um, from government if uh, they weren't in support of us educating the public on, you know, what is important for society and for individuals and for our prosperity. So, so um, I, I mean, I was encouraged by that, um, to be honest with you. And I know that with respect to the independence parties, they were already on board. I just wish, you know, that they could have been a uh, uh, come together. Like I said, uh, they very likely wouldn't have won. If they had come together under one banner, I don't think they would have won the election, but they certainly could have had, um, we could have been possibly in a position to um, be the balance of power, um, but uh, it's it's you know it hasn't happened, and so we don't have a lot of time. It's like I said before, we're in an existential threat to our to our province and to our way of life, and time is of the essence, and we don't have time to be dicking around, uh, fighting and and um, um, you know, let let egos get in the way, mm -hmm. you know, of, of moving forward. And, uh, you know, for people who love what APP is doing, they love the sovereignty message. Um, they love what they see on the website and they want to be involved. Then, then, uh, then, you know, we could, uh, you know, very significantly advance uh, the APP uh, project. And I think, I, I think there's, from what I understand, I got a call from Reg not too long ago that um, the, the, the current operating team is really excited about uh, moving things forward. I understand there was supposed to be a member meeting on March the 11th. I, I, I think that's, that's delayed. Postponed. Yeah. postponed. Yeah, it's, it, it, it will take place. Yeah. I was asked if I would speak at it, um, and uh, you know, like I said uh, before, I think for me to speak at it, it would have to, I'd have to be sure from Jeff Raff that um, we don't, you know, put any risk uh, mm -hmm. to APP of being labeled a, um, a third-party advertiser. Mm -hmm. um, so, on that note, here's an interesting question. Dennis, mm -hmm. if APP isn't a PAC, yeah. why would APP cover the UCP leadership race, but refuse to cover the TIP leadership race? Yeah, that's an that's an incorrect question um, because we approached TIP um, and we wanted to um, host an in-person meeting with them, and we were rebuffed. Um, but at, but after you know, continuously. Uh, 
having the discussion uh, with them, eventually they agreed to a, um, a webinar format, mm. a podcast format, and uh, we did host that. And, um, and that went, that went very well. Um, the, the, uh, I'm just looking at this question. Why could APP cover the UCP leadership? We refused to go. We didn't refuse. We wanted to. And, and, you know, there were, like I say, there were tip people involved with APP. Um, they were upset because they were supporting tip, you know, holding, holding a leadership forum is in no way supporting a particular organization. So like I said earlier, the reason why we, we um, held that UCP leadership forum we, was because we were stagnating on growth. Um, we needed to, we had a, a need to um, have the, increase the profile, if you will, of the Alberta Prosperity Project. And we wanted to use it to make some money. Um, and, uh, and so, like I said, uh, you know, these things worked out. Uh, the, the objectives were met. Um, and we didn't, by any means, uh, ignore TIP. Uh, we would have, you know, if they, if they would have wanted an in-person meeting, uh, like we were proposing, we would have uh, held it, but they didn't. Uh, but eventually they relented and we were able to have uh, an online meeting. Um, which I, remember, I, yeah. I remember when the UCP leadership debate forum was in the planning stages um, and I got some phone calls from folks within APP and some on the operational team who are no longer with the, with the organization. Concerned uh, about the optics of this and what my opinions were. And my opinion was and still is that no matter what people think, um, our current government is the UCP and we're going to have a new premier. And I personally wanted to know where all of the candidates who I was going to vote for, because I'm also a UCP member, stood on the idea of Alberta independence, Alberta sovereignty, what they were going to do to protect Alberta's uh, best uh, uh, best interests and how they were going to respond, um, what their and then what, or or else, as yeah. Ezra Levant said is. You know, that, Chris, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday we had. Yeah, and, and you bring up something really important that I forgot to say in answer to the um, last person's question. <clears throat> As an educational society, that was the other reason for hosting it. We wanted to use the very words of the candidates in response to tough questions to educate the public. We wanted them to educate the public on where they stand on certain issues. Um, and... Um, and that was another success. So, I mean, all in all, it was a successful uh, event. It took a lot of work mm -hmm. uh, to pull off and the, and the people that were involved did a bang up job, um, even though some of them objected, uh, you know, to it. But the board made a decision and um, all but one of the board members uh, were in support of us going ahead with that UCP leadership forum um and i had many people uh say to me afterwards if we had known that because we had over 500 people there if we had known that it was going to be this good i would have bought four tables instead of one you know so great. Uh, that was that was the kind of feedback that we got so it was very positive feedback but um i can't 
uh, you know, I, I, I can't get into people's minds um, who feel as though um, if we talk to somebody from the UCP or we talk to somebody with the, within the NDP or whomever we talk to, that we're aligned with them. I mean, I've talked to every one of the leaders of the independence parties. I've talked to Danielle Smith. Um, and uh, why wouldn't I? We should. We have to. It's, 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 it's literally what, what we're our duty to do that. That's it. That's it. If you don't communicate with people, um, how do you how do you know where they're at? How do you know what they're thinking is? And mm -hmm. you never have an opportunity to change their mind mm -hmm. about something unless you speak to them. So so that's what we've been doing. That's all part of education. Um, so. So knowing, knowing the fallout from that, I mean, after that and constantly, and we've had this discussion as well, I was approached by people who said, uh, you know, oh, well, it's a good thing you're speaking because Dennis can't speak because he's, he's, he's uh, advocating for the UCP. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And they would explain, oh, well, the UCP forum, and he talks to Daniel Smith and these things, and try as I might to explain that, no, this is what we have to do if we want to influence government we have to be talking to people if not to to try and influence them but to find out where they stand to know if they deserve our support or not and it never it never really went away so you know i'll i'll speak a little bit to lloyd's question about the membership topping out at ten thousand. Hmm. i think that was a, a very big part of it is there were people who should have been focused on the goal of alberta prosperity through independence or a strong sovereign wall of jurisdiction or whatever it may be mm -hmm. rather than their disappointment that one or more people were talking to someone that they didn't like right like and like i said before we haven't seen we've we only really saw this blowback um with the ucp conversations not with the any other political parties conversations and i i i don't know knowing that or, or at least stating my opinion like that, what do you think could be done different in the future? Or what do you think we could have done to prevent that and, and help uh, lead this better? Yeah, I mean, when you look at, when you look at things in retrospect, um, you have to ask the question, you know, are the people that are working within APP, um, do they have a sufficiently objective mindset uh, to recognize that we need to have communication lines open to all parties? Um, and, you know, there are individuals that, that had worked with APP um, who have a visceral hatred for the UCP. And I can understand that because, I mean, as you know, I, I did. Well, of course. I mean, let's let's face it. You you face some serious challenges. Um, the whole COVID nineteen, um, the way in which it was managed. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not cutting um, the government any slack on this, uh, but the Kenny did not allow caucus to hear an alternative narrative on how to manage the COVID nineteen. A crisis and none and of those was, that was a problem i yeah. know that that was probably the most important problem which is why i wrote two open letters to the premier mm -hmm. um to try and give him an off-ramp 
um, to not impose the kind of restrictions that he did um, a second, a third, and a fourth time. Um, and we made we made a diligent effort um, with Roger Hodkinson, Paul Alexander, Peter McCullough, um, and others um, to uh, to uh, have a meeting uh, with caucus and uh, we you know we met with a few of the members um, but when Paul Alexander sent all of the contact information to one of the UCP MLA people that was on that conference call he didn't take it forward to caucus I don't think he had the courage because Kenny would not allow an alternative narrative uh, so so you know does that mean that everybody in caucus is a bad person? Of course not. Um, but it does mean that they had blinders on, mm -hmm. and and to a large extent, those blinders were put on by, by the premier himself. And certainly a lack of intestinal fortitude to some degree. Well, that's that that's the thing uh, that I think is also problematic, and uh, you know, courage to stand up for what you believe in and what is right and the courage to look at both sides or three sides or four sides of an argument, however many sides there are, um, and not be part of groupthink uh, just because, you know, this is the way everybody believes, mm -hmm. it must be true. Well, we now know that so much of what has happened with respect to the, all of the restrictions from COVID-19, including the vaccine, the claims for the vaccines are not true. Um, and the evidence is piling up and piling up and piling up. Um, and uh, But I can't blame individual members of caucus for um, not knowing. I can question their um, their willingness to be educated, I can question their willingness to stand up to the premier. Um, and it was uh, more comfortable with their head in the sand. It was an easier path. Well, it 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 was, and uh, you know, people suffered as as a result. Um, when you got luminaries like Jay Bhattacharya and Calder from Harvard, and I forget the person from Oxford, you know, when you have these luminaries talk about the Great Barrington Declaration and then all of the other evidence that has come forward. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's staggering. And yes, there are people that have died from COVID-19. Of course, people have died from the flu as well. But it's remarkable how, much, how, how many people have, been, have died as a result of the lockdowns and um, how many people have been compromised or have actually died from the vaccines, um, and um, you know, that conversation that conversation is not allowed to happen in government right now. I think they need somebody with some balls in there to talk about it. Well, and 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 it is it is coming. I mean, it's 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 coming in different jurisdictions around the world as well. But it really does take it really does take courage to uh, to. Um, speak out against the conventional narrative. I've always said, you know, having a scientific background, when you look at studies, you look at the methodology first, and if the methodology is valid, 
then conceivably the study is valid. But in the scientific community, you repeat these studies, different centers repeat the studies, and then eventually you get, you get a, uh, a consensus that, yeah, the data is valid. Well, there, there was no consensus of valid data to justify the lockdowns or the masks or social distancing at all, except in one area. And it was only um, uh, a recommendation early on, and that was the elderly. But even many elderly people have survived getting COVID-19 without the vaccine, then they get the vaccine afterwards, and then they can still shed, shed the vaccine, or excuse me, shed the virus and, uh, and get COVID again. So it goes to show you how ineffective the vaccines are. Um, but, uh, but any case, uh, you know, this is, I don't know, I think it's one of the greatest uh, public health uh, mismanaged disasters in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. I agree. I was, uh, I have to apologize. I was private messaging a bunch of people with their, with answering their questions. And now my screen has locked up. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, there, there's, I guess some of the questions that, that have been asked over and over again is, um, if this was happening back in February, February, um, did you go and communicate what was happening to the APP board or its members? And obviously, we know how that ended up. But um, what was happening? Sorry, but like you had your own personal problems. Yeah, and uh, so and when when it appears that you put in a resignation, people really just kind of connected the dots that you handed in your resignation. A couple of weeks goes by, and the next thing they know is your, uh, according to what the sources were saying, was that you were running as a UCP. The MLA, even though that wasn't true, right? Well, it isn't because I'm not even a nominee. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, but so, again, I think those are questions that have been asked by people who maybe have just hopped on. And uh, and really, you just, uh, yeah, you haven't, uh, you haven't committed anything yet. It's still an option for you. Yeah, it's like I said, I'm, I'm kicking the tires and my reasons for resignation is per personal tra tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it had nothing to do with this. Um, Chris, you'll recall when you were contemplating running as well, you and I both shared the story. I had been encouraged by others to run for the UCP leadership at one time. Um, and I said, well, there's no way I was ever going to do that. Um, and, but it's always flattering when somebody says you should do something like that, you know, and mm -hmm. you had the same the same recommendation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but this time, nobody suggested anything to me. I just thought maybe there was another platform that I could have uh, even greater influence. Um, because the political platform does get, like I said, the attention of the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work, you know, so. Uh, and and just, just to recap a little bit, for those that just joined, um, I, I asked Dr. Modry in the beginning of this, you know, he mentioned that there was something, there was a tragedy that happened in his personal life and it's none of our business. Yeah. Um, but I asked him if, if with that happening, if he would have been able to continue as the CEO of the Alberta Prosperity Project, 
and meet his obligations to his family? And his response was no. So I, I, I don't need to know any more than that. And, and I really don't think anybody else does. But the point is that sometimes in our lives, something happens and we can no longer do what we want to be doing. And we have to choose a different path. Yeah. And the path that we choose you know, sometimes people don't understand it, but these decisions are our own. Mm -hmm. And at some point you have to be willing to, you know, judge somebody by the sum of their actions and, and their, and their words and what, you know, their, their, their integrity That's and trust true. that they're doing what they're doing for the right reasons. Well, if you do run, um, I'm assuming that you'll be privy to a lot of the UCP memos as what was actually happening with the party during the last year or the last couple of years that would be an interesting thing and now obviously you'd have to sign some sort of a, a confidentiality agreement but i think that would be really beneficial for you to at least have an idea of what what was going on internally yeah and then yeah. hopefully not make that same mistake going forward right right you know, you, you reminded me of something, uh, Carrie, as well. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I had thought of when I, you know, started to clear my head from what I'm dealing with um, is I thought about what Take Back Alberta had accomplished with replacing nine members of the UCP board, some of whom are members of the Alberta Prosperity Project. Um, and that was, that was, uh, it was a small factor, but it was, a, it was something that was in my mind when I was thinking, well, you know, people work very hard to, uh, help fix the UCP mm -hmm. at the board level. Um, an election will make some changes to the MLA candidates and, if I decided to run, uh, then maybe I would be a strong force within government as well in terms of the APP mission. Um, it would be. And a lot of the things that we asked for out of the UCP over the last few years, we've accomplished. Like we've made some, yeah. some headway. It's certainly not perfect. And I would say that we've begun the, the, the initial steps to to repair it there, yeah. there's arguably a lot of work to do and probably a lot of people that deserve a little bit of a, a wrist slapping and on that note um here's a really good question from sonia how about joining the independence party you'd be such a good asset to the team and a wonderful advertisement for good i don't think that um there's I mean, it's a really good question. And it is a question that I thought of as well. And I like Arthur. Um, what concerns me is what I said earlier, is that for the independence party, and remember what I said about independence earlier, it has different meanings for different people. And there is not a plurality of Albertans that support one form of independence there are five different interpretations of independence or of, of sovereignty that getting all of those different 
people aligned can create a plurality. The Independence Party, I have respect for the Independence Party, just as I do for people struggling with the Wilders Independence Party and the Alberta Advantage Party. But I don't see um, there being a potential in this coming election to save Alberta um, by the Independence Party. I just don't think it's possible. There's too much work to be done to set up 87 CAs and to have credible people running in each one of them. And so, you know, I know that there are people within TIP and other areas that feel as though, like I said earlier, that uh, the UCP is corrupted to the core. I don't believe that. I think there are good people within the UCP, and I think there are some people who are weak um, within the UCP. And um, and I think that, like I said, um, there are really only there are really only two parties that are going to battle this one out, and that's going to be the UCP and the NDP. Um, if two or three years ago if the three independence parties had come together, I think they could have been a formidable force Absolutely. at this point in time. But they didn't do that. Their egos got in the way, and I know that because I've tried to speak to every one of them. Um, and so logic tells me that we're facing this existential threat. We cannot allow the NDP to win the next election. So me running for the for TIP, even if I won one seat, isn't going to change the balance of power um, at all. But if I ran for the UCP or the UCP wins, at least we have a chance. APP has the opportunity to carry on um, its mission to educate the public over the next 30 months or so. Um, and uh, until such time as um, it could force, uh, using the Citizens Initiative Act, a referendum on secession. And it's like I said before, I'll say it many times, uh, referendum on secession doesn't mean that Alberta leaves. It's up to the provincial government to negotiate the outcome of um, what they want. And if they get everything that they want through negotiations that are forced because of a triggering the Clarity Act um, through that uh, secession referendum, then, uh, you know, uh, it would be far better situation than we are in now. Um, and I mean, we just have to be realistic and, prag and, and pragmatic about this. Um, and being a pragmatist, I've always been a pragmatist. Uh, my belief is that, is that, um, that uh, the UCP has to win this election. Uh, because the alternative is the NDP. And then if the NDP wins, I can tell you this, <clears throat> APP will not survive. I don't believe that APP can survive with the NDP because I think that they'll put in legislation that will... Oh, it'll be C11 and C18 for sure. We're not going to be able to broadcast or do any media. Yeah. Based well, on that's, that, that's, it, that's it exactly. They, 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 will, they, they have even stated um, that they would put in uh, legislation um, that would prevent a referendum on secession from even taking place. So, so APP can't survive uh, if the NDP uh, wins. So, you know, for the listeners out there, you got to think to yourself, 
you know, strategically, what are you going to do? Um, I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm just telling you what the realities on the ground are. Yeah. And um, and if my voice carries some weight uh, within the conservative movement in the province, um, and it helps to get more people who are of a conservative mind out to vote, uh, then I will have done something good. That is if I run. And like I said, I, um, there's a long ways to go before I make that final decision. Can I can I put you on the spot and ask you a couple of uh, political questions? That way, that might actually help you to make that decision. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what would you do about the political prisoners? We've got Chris Scott that still has looming looming stuff over his in terms of court case. We've got Pastor Art. We got uh, the four boys and Coots. Yeah. What Five would you, now. I I I think it's. Five. I think it's yeah, I think I think I think it's a very good question. Um, um, where where let's just say, for example, I was in caucus. So, question is, is what's my portfolio? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. If, if my yeah. if my portfolio was was, um, um, it probably wouldn't be justice because I'm not a lawyer, mm. um, but it could be you know a number of other things. And so, health, so my health comes to mind. My well. You know, funny enough, I, I, I would probably rather uh, provide um, background information to somebody else um, yeah. and, uh, you know, something more along the lines of intergovernmental affairs, uh, trying to fix Alberta's circumstance and confederation has more appeal to me because I've been thinking about this since 2003. Mm -hmm. I've also been thinking about healthcare because I've written extensively on it. Um, but uh, my advocacy within within uh, government would be these people haven't been, in my opinion, um, been afforded uh, due process. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think they've been uh, afforded due process. They should have been out on bail. Uh, far more egregious uh, uh, crime has occurred and the perpetrator is out on bail. Uh, so I have um, I have done uh, behind the scenes, and I don't want to get into the details. I've tried to deal with this problem um, for them, uh, but nobody would know what I've done, and I don't want to get into the details. What I tried to do didn't work. Um, and um, uh, so if I was if I was the Minister of Justice, um, yeah, I might, uh, I might want to weigh in on that, but I don't know what the legislation is as well. Yeah. Um, my opinion, uh, is along the lines. I don't know if you saw an article that Jeff wrote, uh, Jeff Rath wrote in a Substack, but he talked about the, uh, the issue of granting amnesty. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a lawyer and I don't know what the legislation is. Um, Jeff seems to think that, um, Amnesty could have been granted um, to people like yourself, Chris and Archer, and um, and I, I I believe that as well. Um, but I've been told by others within government, not the premier, um, that um, that the legislation prohibits that. So again, I'm not a lawyer, but if I were in government, I would like to see somebody like Jeff take on the the government lawyers 
and have that discussion. Mm -hmm. That would be an approach yes. that, that I would take. Yeah. Because Conversations that and debates. Well, you see, the problem is it, it's, it's like with the COVID-19 narrative, there was only one perspective given. I mean, Jeff is a brilliant, a brilliant constitutional lawyer and litigator. I mean, he was an honors graduate, um, and um, and I, I think I think it would be a fascinating discussion between Jeff and the government lawyers with respect to what does the legislation actually say in terms of granting amnesty. What does the legislation actually say with respect to granting bail? You know. Um, and which brings up the question of, of um, uh, you know, the judiciary as well. You know, is the judiciary politicized in some respects? Uh, certainly, is yeah. certainly is at the federal level. Um, and uh, you know, I, I can't say that it is or it isn't. I believe that it is at the federal level, mm -hmm. but I. I can't say one way or another at the provincial level, but, but I think that the question is, is what would I do? I think that's what I would, that's what I would advocate for. I'd like to see a caucus discussion and me saying, look, why not having Jeff, have Jeff come in or Jeff and Layton come in and provide a perspective on what the legislation is with respect to granting amnesty. Mm -hmm. Let's hear what the government lawyers have to say. Let's look at the text of the legislation. Yeah. That's the way you'd come, come to a decision. But I, I, and, and Jeff wrote, I, I, I thought, a very good Substack article on this, yeah. um, but he didn't really cite the legislation, as, as I recall. You know, the first thing I would do, I would write a bill, not personally, not write it myself, but I would work on a bill that prevented the government or the RCMP or Alberta Health Services or any, inter, any uh, government organization from spending more on legal fees than those who they were taking to court could afford. That's what I would do because I see one of the major problems we have probably in this whole country is that the government can always win unless you're ridiculously wealthy. Mm -hmm. you're, Chris, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, that is, that is a significant problem. And, uh, um, you know, maybe there's hope for something like that in the future. Yeah. So another question is about something that's close to home. Um, what are your thoughts on any restitution for anybody that's uh, lost jobs or lost their lives? And, and how would that, how would, how would you see that happening in the future? Yeah. Uh, are you talking with respect to, well, if, if, you know, there's there's people that have lost lost their jobs, lost as their, result of, uh, their as a result of the restrictions from COVID nineteen. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I absolutely think there should be restitution because I think what happened was criminal. Yeah. Who who pays for it? Well, I, I'm not I'm not going to say criminal. I, I'm I'm going to backtrack on that. I'm going to say it was wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, because it wasn't criminal in terms of the law, as it stood, mm. um, but. But um, but I think it was wrong uh, because it wasn't evidence based. Yes. Yeah. What they did, and so I think I, I do believe that restitution should occur. This is a province that really could provide restitution. Yes, they well. could. And yeah. and and I think they should. And I think everybody who's been fined, yeah. um, um, and who has incurred legal expenses, I think there should be restitution 
100% for those costs. Yeah. The poor people that are, uh, um, and I, I make no judgment on uh, guilty or innocent for the people that are still incarcerated because I don't, I don't know the details of, 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 and the veracity of the, uh, of the charges. But uh, you know, to reiterate, uh, absolutely, completely, totally, 100% wrong, in my opinion, not to have granted them bail. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just think that's unconscionable. I don't understand uh, why the judiciary would would rule in that way. Yeah. Um, and setting an example like this, um, and if they're proven to be innocent, it's yeah. even that much worse. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, but regardless of guilt or innocent on whatever charges or even if it's one charge yeah uh, bail should have been uh, bail should have been granted yes there are so many instances like almost every week something comes out in the news about somebody who did a crime and was released from jail two days later and a violent crime at that yeah, yeah. and they went on to do it again but the difference is it always seems to be a criminal who harms another human being it's not mm -hmm. a criminal that harms the government a criminal that is a criminal because they harmed the government is the worst kind of criminal mm -hmm. and they're treated much much differently uh than than all of the other ones and that mm -hmm. definitely has yeah. to change yeah we gotta we, we have a, a a horrible transfer of power from the people to the government and that's it's got to get dealt with at every level yeah well I, I i agree and you can just imagine um if you think of the trucker's convoy and the um freezing of people's bank accounts. Yeah. You can just imagine how far they'll go if they get this digital ID. Oh, of course. Yeah. Central bank digital currency and an ESG social credit score. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an absolute tyrannical nightmare of, uh, of tyranny. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm encouraged about as well is, as Danielle has come out and said, you know, we're not going to implement um, digital ID. We're not going to. Uh, we're going to get the WEF uh, out of out of uh, Alberta, um, and uh, you know, no other no no other premier in the in the country has said that. Well, the the only argument that I would say is that we've seen that with Kenny in the past saying, I don't even know what a vaccine passport is. Yeah. yeah, right. So that would be the concern. So yeah. hopefully she does well herself to. I, yeah. I can tell you what she said to me yeah. about this. Yeah. She said, there is no digital ID as part of the federal health deal. It's illegal to share private medical info. Yeah. That's what she yeah. said to me specifically. Yeah. And it goes right along with what we said before with yeah. administration of health as a provincial jurisdiction. Yeah. And the federal government has no business trying to buy into it. Right. Yeah. Justin Trudeau did say that four, four provinces, I believe, so far have actually signed up for this health care. Mm -hmm. And how are they dealing with the uh, the transfer? And and then he goes on and he talks about the uh, have keeping the data secure. And, and that he must have said that like six times in that interview. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. something to consider. Yeah. These things are coming yeah. uh, and they're not provincial matters like digital yeah. currency and digital id in the end will be a federal thing so how do we stand up to a federal government who's going to push these things on us that we don't want uh, I have oh, a solution. oh my goodness what could we possibly do <laughs> right yeah well you know in 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 my opinion on this 
because um, I have talked to the premier about these things. Um, and I've told her, I said, you have an opportunity um, to be the iron lady. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, are you a poll based leader or are you a value and, and principle based leader? Yeah. Um, same question I posed to Brian Jean and Todd Lowen and Travis yeah. Caves, etc. Um, and of course, they all say that they're, uh, they're a value and principle based leader, but yet they do look at the polls. And we will see, um, we will see over time. Mm -hmm. um, my sense of, of Danielle right now is that um, she wants to be the Iron Lady. She wants to stand up for what her values and principles are. And um, when she comes out and says that she's not going to implement a digital ID, we'll see how far that goes because Here's the, here's the real crux of all of this. The Alberta Sovereignty Act in its initial uh, formulation contemplated not enforcing federal law or federal regulations. That's true, yeah. That's been watered down. Mm -hmm. Now, we will see what happened, for example, with the firearms confiscation. Mm -hmm. And if it will be not enforced, that will be a test to see yes. whether or not Danielle and the UCP are willing to protect property rights. Mm -hmm. If I was in government, I would absolutely be, be insisting on that that our property rights are protected. Mm -hmm. It's going to come up. Uh, there are going to be other things, um, you know, getting out from under Bill C-69, Bill C-48, Bill C-11, Bill C-21. How is the provincial government going to respond to these things? That's right. You yeah. see? Yeah. And this will inform the public as well. But unfortunately, what we find is that so many people in the public are jaded because they don't feel as though their vote matters. And so many people don't even bother voting. I know. What are that, ridiculous. That, was, that was another reason why I thought, well, if I ran for the UCP and it created a firestorm of publicity, would that, would that stimulate the conservative vote to get out and vote? Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to that question, but I thought about it. Um, and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not so egotistical to think that, you know, I can necessarily do these things, but, um, or achieve that kind of, uh, kind of a response. But, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of publicity through APP, mainly on social media, mm -hmm. um, over the past over a year now, um, and so I just wonder about it. You know, I, I don't know. So, uh, but I, 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 I'm very concerned about the NDP, NDP getting in, um, and despite my personal problems. Um, and um, in a way, I guess I'm thinking I'm. Putting what I'm 
interested in in terms of saving Alberta ahead of my personal problems, hoping that in some way I can get them solved as well. So, yeah, so this will be kind of an interesting, tough uh, conversation, but I'm happy to answer any and all questions, and I don't care how long it takes. Good. Thank you. I've seen lots of statements come up, lots of messages of support for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, some questions about election interference, um, and I'm just going to touch on that briefly. In Alberta, we use paper ballots, mm -hmm. and we have scrutineers. Yeah. If you're concerned with election interference, become a scrutineer yeah. and watch for yourself. Get involved and do your part. Don't ask who's going to do it for you and just go and do it. Yeah. That's the way you can you can deal with that. Yeah. Um, lots of people saying they would vote for you and that they would get out and vote. Um, and, uh, you know, some people saying they don't trust the premier. And honestly, I don't blame people for being not uh, trusting the government because we've really been kind of kicked around by them in the past few years. Yeah. So it is hard to trust for them, but we have to, uh, I think, pay attention and just take people, judge them on the sum of their actions and the things they're saying and, and watch that they follow through. And mm -hmm. I don't know what else can we do yeah. besides get involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I just, I just believe that if I were involved, I would help stiffen the spine of the UCP on a number of these things that are of concern to us. I, I agree. Cause part of the problem we have is uh, we have a severe lack of, courage in our elected representatives yeah they don't often want to do the right thing because the right thing these days is unpopular so how do we deal with that what, what do we do what do we do to give our elected representatives uh the courage they need to do the right thing and, and just to follow up on that too like if you're part of a party you have a whip that basically says you got to fall in line you gotta you gotta agree with whatever we're saying as a party and again, how do we actually give our independent uh, MLAs or, or just MLAs in general some strength in order to, to push back on that? You get rid of the whip. Yes, I agree. Totally get rid of the whip. Yeah. That and requires a very, very strong leader. Because if you <laughs> yeah. don't have a whip, you have to have a leader that can communicate the plan effectively and, and have the, the members follow them. That's a... Yeah. I agree that there shouldn't be a whip, but we've been lacking leaders yeah. and uh, that, well, that will tell. This is where I think I can help out as well. Because, um, you know, let's face it. Um, if you have a logical discussion with people and they're open to sharing their views and you share your views, and if, if one side's views have more merit and more justification, then usually you can be quite persuasive, hopefully. Um, that's been part of the, the, uh, of the um, DNA of the Alberta Prosperity Project, the expectation that people, that there are many people that have enough of an open mind that they're willing to be educated. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that not, you know, the caucus members have a certain knowledge on certain things, but they are probably not knowledgeable on other things. This is one thing I've really learned about politicians as well. Many politicians that I've come across 
have a certain a certain breadth of knowledge. And if they're an expert in some area, then they've got depth of knowledge in that area. Mm -hmm. But there are very few that have breadth of knowledge and depth of knowledge in a lot of areas. Um, and um, I know from interviewing um, the previous UCP leadership candidates and before that when Ralph was the premier and before that when Getty's premier, I talked to a lot of these people. And, um, and through this process of the Alberta Prosperity Project, and for me going back to 2003, um, and I don't want this to come across as being a know-it-all or anything like that, but it's, it's easy for me to evaluate many things because I've become a student of the Constitution, a student of Alberta history. I've written extensively about healthcare. When you look at the uh, policy and governance document in the website, um, on the APP website, um, we spent thousands of hours drafting that with constitutional lawyers and others. So there's a depth of knowledge that you develop in agriculture and the justice system and education and healthcare and in various other areas. Um, and, um, and as a result of that, that I really think that were, were I in caucus, and again, I'm not necessarily advocating that I will be, mm -hmm. um, but were it the case that I was, I, I think I would be um, a strong force uh, to ensure that the decisions that are made are the right decisions uh, to protect this province and to protect the freedoms and rights of the people of this province. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, from the, the discussions I've had with people like Todd Lowen, I've got a lot of respect for Todd. Um, I think he's got great values. Um, and, um, and one of the things, getting back to the discussions about breadth and depth, a lot of people underestimate Danielle. She has a breadth of knowledge that exceeds every one of the other politicians in the UCP. Uh, and she has a depth of knowledge that exceeds the depth of knowledge of most of the others um, in, in, a, in a number of areas, not all areas. You take Travis Taves is going to have more accounting skills yeah, yeah. background than, than Danielle. But, um, but she has um, leadership qualities that, um, that uh, could ultimately leave her a legacy of being Alberta's Iron Lady. Two, but we'll see. It's too early to tell. Two, th two things. That's, that's, uh, it's unfortunate that only time will tell, but time is what we're short on. Yeah, I know. So it's a really, it's, I mean, this is a nail biter for sure. So here's a good question from uh, Michelle, actually our good friend, Michelle, by the way. Did you and Chris both say only last spring that the surest sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different answers? Well, we said different results, but yeah. whatever. How often do we have to try to reinvent the Conservative Party before reali realizing it is insanity? So I'll take a quick stab at this. You're right. Doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results is insanity. But in this case, something was done different. And the different was... 
a whole bunch of people were rounded up and they took over a bunch of things to the point where they could start to make changes. That's what was done different. Am I saying that it's finished and all the work is done? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think it will. I, I don't think there's a hundred percent chance it will be successful. However, I have to accept the reality that something positive has changed. Some advances are being made. And I also have to realize that no matter what I do right now, in three months, it's not going to change the balance of power to change who the majority government party is. I can't do that right now. So for me, that means while I support the Independence Party and their most of their platform and most of the people in, in the organization, I also have to be realistic, as Dennis said, and know that it's very likely that the next government is going to be the the, the UCP. I mean, that's... It's either going to be the UCP or the NDP, and heaven forbid that it's the that it's the NDP. Mm -hmm. so, and it's not, it's not that the Independence Party people aren't working hard to, to yeah. build their organization, but time is the enemy. It's the one thing they don't have, and it's the one thing they need to build the organization yeah. to the point where they could do, do those things. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're also, believe it or not, not perfect. I mean, there are people that are playing the politic games, doing the things that I don't like to see. It's not, no party or person is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think one of the um, um, factors in, you know, dealing with people is how you deal with them respectfully and with class. You can disagree with them, uh, but there's no reason to, disparage them as a person. Mm -hmm. um, insofar as doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result, um, by, by the very nature of the conservative movement, it has constantly evolved. It's, it's been good, it's been bad, um, but it has changed. <clears throat> um, the, what we're seeing right now is, um, when Kenny um, took over as the leader of the merged Wild Rose Party and the Alberta Provincial Conservative Party, what he did is he wound up purging all of those people from the Wild Rose Party mm -hmm. from his from his caucus because he's a federalist, right? Yeah. Um, so what's different now? Um, what has the public done? What has the conservative movement done? It's got him out, thanks to efforts of many people, including people like David Parker and Take Back Alberta. Um, what else has changed? Well, it's been said the board is corrupt. Well, what's changed? Well, there are nine new members of the provincial board of the 17 members. Uh, from Take Back Alberta, and some of those members are members of the Alberta Prosperity Project, including uh, their Vice President of Policy and Governance, uh, Governance, Ray Strong. So things are different. And this coming election, there are going to be a number of UCP new people um, that may get elected as well that are... Um, aligned with APP, aligned in the context of 
protecting Alberta and protecting our individual freedoms, rights, and prosperity and self-determination. So, so things are changing. Um, and, and we don't have, we don't have time to rebuild, you know, three independence parties into one organization. So, you know, you got to work with, with, with what's going to win. Um, and the UCP right now, in, in my opinion, um, is the, is the only party that can prevent the NDP from winning. And so however you vote, I'm not saying how people should vote, vote the independence party, wild rose independence party, you know, fill your boots, vote, vote for them for whomever you want. Just remember the consequences. There are consequences to voting. And um, we saw those consequences in 2015. Um, and they weren't very good. And I'll go a little farther in that statement. So um, I don't believe any vote is wasted, no matter what party you vote for. I would go, go so far as to say, if you believe that um, a UCP candidate or a TIP candidate or an NDP candidate would best represent you and is best aligned with your values and beliefs in your constituency, vote yeah. for them. Yeah. And don't let anybody else tell you that you shouldn't. You Absolutely. should do that. Absolutely. But at the same time, you have to be willing to pay attention to what's real or at least be very diligent in trying to find out what's real before you cast your votes. You have to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And in the end, mm -hmm. if one candidate wins your vote and the others don't, it is not your fault that you voted for them. It's their fault for failing to be the leaders they needed to be to win your vote. So if the UCP candidate or the TIP candidate Good wants man. your vote, yeah. they have to earn it. They have to win your heart and your mind. Yeah. And, it's, and it's not on anybody but them. And and edu educate the voters. Yeah. <laughs> I've said that exactly. how many times, right? Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise the voters are just gonna, oh, I don't like blue, I'm gonna vote orange. And that's that's that could be the tipping point too. So you know, things yeah. like societies like a, the Alberta Prosperity Project certainly does help. That's why APP is so important and so brilliant, because there's time. We have the APP has time to carry out that education program mm -hmm. if the UCP wins. Yeah. If the NDP wins, it's like I said earlier, APP will probably be finished. Yeah. I already know the answer to this other question, though, but uh, does our premier have the power to put a referendum on the ballot in May or within the first year? Well, she could do it at any time, but she would have to be convincing to the public of the necessity for a secession referendum. Yeah. She'd have to she'd have to be able to explain to the public, look, I'm not necessarily an advocate that Alberta leaves Canada, but we need leverage. We need the tool of a successful secession referendum so we can protect you mm -hmm. we can protect the economy we can you know achieve the objectives that we talk about with respect to the alberta prosperity project mm -hmm. so she could ask for that mandate um, um and she may well do it i mean i mean let's say for example um, they try and negotiate an end to equalization and it goes nowhere. Let's say um, we're looking down the barrel of, if you will, of the confiscation of firearms. 
uh, we're looking down the barrel of um, further um, intrusion into uh, individual freedoms, rights, and prosperity by virtue of, for example, the WEFUN agenda. Mm -hmm. These things, from the political perspective, can also educate the public. Look, this is what's happening. We don't want this. We're your government. We represent you. We don't want these things to happen. Yeah. But we are emasculated. We don't have the we don't have the leverage. There's nothing we can do. Will you give us that mandate? Yeah. Uh, so that we can take on the federal government. Yeah. Um, she could do that, and that could happen. Could I mean, she? I don't know. Yeah. Could she also like we we have gone through the last two years of vaccine billboards and propaganda and all that, could she not do that sort of advertising and media blitz to say, you know, this is what's going to happen to our guns. This is what's going to happen to our land. This is what's going to happen. Like to me, if she's in charge of that anyways, she should be able to at least force that hand too. You know what? I was just going to say one thing though. Um, She has to win the election to yeah. do all of these things. She couldn't do it now? No, there's not enough time. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of work to, you know, go through the legislative process and drafting it and et cetera. Um, so she wouldn't be able to do much of that before. There was a thought in the uh, earlier on um, about uh, pensions and, and, uh, and policing. Yes. And they talk about not just pensions, policing, but the other three, immigration, uh, employment insurance, and provincial tax collection. Yeah. Those are the things that they they will do coming up. They will also try and end equalization. And, and it will be demonstrated to the public the inability to do so, the inability to overcome the five constitutional hurdles or the five hurdles to change the Constitution, I'll put it that way. So, so um, yeah, there's there's right now it's it's they're in campaign mode. You've mm-hmm. seen the NDP are moving their head office to Calgary because they feel as though that's going to be the battleground. Um, and uh, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if uh, you know Casey Madu is the one UCP MLA in Edmonton right now? Wouldn't it be amazing if there were a half a dozen more or ten more? Yeah, you know, and. I wondered whether or not I could help stimulate that, um, and uh, and I don't know if I can or or I can't. Uh, I'd have to be elected, and, uh, I guess. Um, well, it's not so much that it's maybe if I didn't get elected, even if I didn't get elected, but if I ran, maybe several other UCP MLAs would get elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that would be okay too, uh, from Edmonton. Yeah, I really hope we see some uh, some tip MLAs elected in this province. I mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to see a, a a two pony race. Just like I that. really hope that we can get some of those folks in in the legislature and shake things up. And well, on that I understand. Note, I understand Bob Leon is is going to run in the Camrose area. I don't know who the UCP MLA candidate is, mm-hmm. um, but you know Bob is a, a force to be reckoned with and. Uh, and uh, he would provide a, an, an interesting, and so would Arter if he was elected, uh, would be an interesting combination to see them and 
in uh, in government. Do you know how many more people would watch the televised legislative uh, debates if Bob and Art and Rachel and Danielle were all in that room? Oh, that would be the number one rated show in Alberta. Yeah. Uh, well, it would be it would be interesting. There's 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 no question about that. Um, and uh, but there's a lot of work, uh, obviously, that needs to be done. And I'm just learning about what it takes to run to run a campaign. I've been, you know, do a little bit of checking on the website, but um, I don't want to get too much into it and, and spend too much time on it unless I know unequivocally that I'm, I'm going to try and compete for the uh, nomination. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, no, it would be interesting um, for sure, Chris. I have a, I need your help. I need some help from you, gen fine, fine young gentleman. Yes, what do you need? So Maria had a comment for me. I, I think, I don't think she likes me. <laughs> it says, Chris, you are a tratter. I think she's trying to write tractor. I would say trigger. No, I'm pretty sure it's tractor because oh, I'm so okay. strong. Okay. I expected it from Modry. I knew that the first time I met him in Medicine Hat. I am with Mark Friesen, the Independence Party in Alberta, the Buffalo Party in Saskatchewan. I'm pulling out of APP. Daniel Smith is a globalist. Let me dissect this very shortly. And thank you for calling me a tractor. I am incredibly strong <laughs> and bullheaded. Uh, Mark Friesen is no longer with the Buffalo Party in Saskatchewan. He's starting a new party. So there's that. So you have another party in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan Unity, I believe. I, I hope you do well with the Saskatchewan Unity Party. Um, pulling out of APP, if that's what your conscience tells you to do, then then do that. I mean, the, the message is not changing. Um, if you're upset with Dennis Modry and Dennis Modry has resigned from the APP, I don't know why that would make you pull out of the APP. You would think it would be the other way around, but... Anyway, it's you do what you have to do. Daniel Smith is a globalist. Daniel Smith is not a globalist. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I've had conversations with her about some of the issues that we're talking about. The WF comes up all the time, which she has denounced and says that why would Alberta or the government of Alberta allow organizations like the WEF who, who brag about influencing politicians to influence their policies? She's actually spoken out against it. Yeah. Um, there has been some comments come up about her not saying anything about the 15 minute cities. If our politicians aren't saying anything about the 15 minute cities, that's our fault, not theirs. Because if you take a 15 minute city at face value, that's what people pay millions of dollars for in Edmonton and Calgary and big cities to be within 15 minutes of everything they need. Literally the most expensive real estate in the city is a 15 minute district. Hmm. However, we know this is a little bit different. And it's our job to communicate this and educate people, including the government, as to why these policies don't belong in Alberta. If only we had an organization that was dedicated to educating Albertans that could accomplish this. Hmm. But, you know, since we don't have an educational society that is, is interested in speaking out against these things, I guess we'll just have to get upset because people aren't aligned with the political party that we're aligned with. And then we'll all just agree to disagree and we'll have 15 minute cities mm -hmm. and then we will end up in uh, in slavery. But that's just my opinion. So you do whatever you have to do. Let me comment on on her uh, comment as well. Um, I don't know where she gets the impression that uh, Danielle is a globalist. Um, you've stated it very clearly and she stated very clearly publicly that she's not. Um, so so I don't know. I don't. I really don't know where that's uh, where that's coming from at all. 
put her uh, put her statement up there again. There was something else I was. Let me find it here. I'm just gonna search for the word tractor. <laughs> there it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chris, well, yeah, you're not a tractor and you're not a trader. Um, so so I don't know where uh, this lady gets the idea that Danielle is, uh, where Maria gets the notion that Danielle is a globalist. Um, and um, It's because the, she weighs the same as a duck, Dennis. What, what I was going to say was that, you know, none of us are perfect. Um and, and if you, um, you have to ask yourself the question of, of a government um, and of an individual running, um, do you agree with 50% of what that person says, 80% of what that person or that government says, or 90% or 95%? Because I can guarantee you that... Um, there's no party and there's no individual that you're going to agree with 100% all the time on every issue. That's just, that's just the way it is. So when, when, you're, when you're thinking about people that you want to support politically or a party that you want to support politically, it's really which party, which individual do you agree with most of the things that that person stands for? Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's really just reality. Uh, and if, you know, Maria, you know, I respect your, your opinion, um, because it is your opinion. And so nobody should challenge your opinion. Um, but I would just encourage you to think about the reality that, you know, you're not going to agree with what everybody's perspective, um, uh, is on things so you know if you don't if you don't agree with me with respect to all of the things i've been talking about in terms of protecting our individual freedoms and rights that you, that's your choice um and that's fine i i can say that i don't care if people think that i'm a traitor they're obviously misinformed um if they think that they really haven't been listening to me and I guess that's my fault. If people think at this point that I'm a traitor to the cause, it's my own fault for failing to be an effective leader and communicator. Because just, just because I'm having conversations and speaking the truth about the premier as best I can, as I do for Archer, by the way, when people call him a fake pastor on other sites, I say something. Yeah. Because it's not the truth. But I'm not going to tolerate lies from any political party or any person or any twisted perversions of the truth designed to either prevent people from voting for one party or make them vote for another. That's not how this is supposed to work. We're not supposed to have to pervert the truth in order to get people's win people's hearts and minds. If we do that, we're no better than those we're fighting against. I mean, that's literally what the NDP has done in every single election in every jurisdiction I've ever seen. They pervert the truth and try and scare people out of voting for who they should be voting for mm -hmm. 
with, with that type type of thing. And I'm, I'm not for it. I'm sorry. If that yeah. makes me a traitor, um, I'm happy to be a traitor to those who believe that perverting the truth is the path to success. And I, I know for me, like one, one thing that is, uh, that I'm, I'm really concerned about with the UCP and I'll, I will just be quite frank is there, their lack of uh, talking about climate change and net zero, and then even some of the educational things that are happening in terms of Soji and drag queen, whatever the hell they need to do story time. They really have not taken a stance on any of that. And so uh, that I see. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, 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 I agree with you, Carrie. I think there needs to be um, uh, a, a statement of some taken. sort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, to be, to be having drag queens reading storybooks to elementary school kids, I think is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's wrong. I think it's morally, ethically wrong. Um, I also think as well uh, that um, the issue of educating young people about multiple genders mm -hmm. uh, is wrong yeah. too, because yeah. uh, biologically it doesn't make sense. Um, and um, uh, grooming kids uh, who have gender dysphoria, mm -hmm. uh, who don't know what sex they really want to be, yeah. um, but grooming them to the opposite of how they were born is wrong. Yeah. Um, surgery to change them forever um, uh, before the age of consent far as I'm concerned, is absolutely abhorrent. I think that's criminal, personally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, I think those are things that, that, that need to be addressed. You know, when we talked about developing, you know, what we have in the Alberta Prosperity Project, we talked about the issue, for example, of dealing with controversial social issues. Abortion is a controversial issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not going to speak for the UCP government because I don't know where they are at with some of those things that you just brought up, Carrie, and that we're just discussing right now. But I do believe that something is coming um, to address these sorts of things. And I know from the education curricula, they've already made an attempt to remove some of this stuff from the curricula. That's one thing. That's a good thing. And of course, the socialists out there um, have you know, have got their heads spinning around because they're upset with that. On the issue that you raised, which I think is really, really important because it's part of the rationale of uh, the whole socialist movement that's enveloping society right now, and it's the climate change argument. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, based on CO2 and the discussions in relation to carbon capture and carbon storage. Um, I think is problematic um, as well because uh, even Brian Jean has come out and, and, and said, you know, why would we waste, uh, I forget the number, 20 or $40 billion over whatever period of time um, to develop carbon capture and carbon yeah. storage. Yeah. You know, every day when I go outside and I'm driving, I see uh, carbon capture and carbon storage, carbon storage in every tree I look at. And, uh, yeah. and, um, and it's free. 
and it, well, and the and and the thing is, is that, you know, as you guys know, um, Canada produces 1.5 percent of global CO2 emissions. Yes, Alberta yes. produces about 0.7 or 0.8 percent yeah. of yeah. global CO2 emissions. But uh, no one has taken into account um, our boreal forests, our grasslands, our swamps, our agricultural lands, mm -hmm. um, our uh, uh, you know, our, 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 our uh, plant life in, uh, in the cities, etc. Yeah. Nobody has really taken um, an accurate measure into account. Um, I've looked at this and I've tried to do the analysis. Um, and I would suggest that, the, that there's a possibility, a fossil future, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know I've read it. But there's a possibility that we could even be carbon negative. Yes. Uh, so it would be a com it's a complete waste of money. Yeah. Um, but again, this is one of these politically incorrect things to talk about, not dealing with carbon uh, capture and carbon storage. Again, this is an issue of standing up for for what's right and what the evidence is. And I'm not going to say I'm 100% correct that we're carbon negative because I don't know that for sure. I can't, I can't be, be sure of the accuracy of my own calculations. Um, but the data that, that I, I have looked at um, suggests to me that if we're not already carbon negative, we're pretty close to it mm -hmm. as a result of, of what we're doing. Um, uh, I mean, as a, re, as a result of, of, um, uh, the the natural way to capture and store carbon um, and you know i always i always laugh at the uh concept of greenhouses you know uh what's put in greenhouses so that plant life grows works faster is yeah. CO2. they put co2 in greenhouses yeah. you know so and right now we're at 420 parts per million in the atmosphere it's the it's uh, near the lowest levels in recorded history. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, um, so again, I think this is something that I would be, if I was elected, I would be driving this forward, um, this discussion forward, and try and get them uh, to be using the political platform to educate the public on the benefits of CO2. Um, rather than the, than the harm of CO2. And I love to see Mark Friesen has come on. Um, that's a man I have a lot of respect for. Um, I've met Mark. Um, I think he's a great, he's a great individual. Um, and he is a tremendous advocate for individual freedoms and rights and prosperity. And, and so apparently has not left the Buffalo Party. Yeah. Whatever I saw yeah. earlier today must have been sure. an error. Yeah. I'm so I made an error. Yeah, and uh, so nice to see Mark uh, weigh in. And and what this brings up, actually, I think it was Maria Wall who made the statement that uh, Mark had left. Um, uh, it What it brings up is rumors, you know, and it brings up the whole idea of saying something bad about you, Carrie, or something bad about you, Chris, or me. Um, and if you've got a, somebody's got a concern about me or what my perspective is or what I've said, talk to me. Um, mm -hmm. Don't listen to uh, you know what somebody else has to say. 
you know, for example, who's this guy, um, George, um, uh, Chris, you told me, My I think. Friend George. George, what's his last name? Clark. George Clark, yeah. So George Clark has made the uh, statement that APP has received money from the provincial government. Well, um, no, from Daniel's campaign team is what. Oh, from Daniel's campaign team. Well, okay, so uh, wh whatever. Of course, um, I'd like to see the evidence for that, George, if George is listening, um, because you can't find it because it doesn't exist. Uh, so why would he make a statement like that? What is he trying to do? Well, let's understand George. George is someone who's a federalist. He's been a Kenny sycophant. Um, and I don't mind saying that. Um, and, and, you know, he must be a federalist as well. He didn't like the idea of Alberta having leverage to negotiate with the federal government. And he's made that, made that clear. So he, what does he try to do? Is he tries to brand the Alberta Prosperity Project as a separatist organization, right? That's what he's that's what he's tried to do. That's what he's told me personally when I saw him at the uh, AGM. Uh, so so all I'm saying is is that if you hear a rumor, um, check with the person who about whom that rumor was made, and then you'll find out whether it's true or not. Um, and I'm just delighted that Mark um, commented. Um, because he's a great guy and I have a lot of respect for him. Um, I got a little more insight into Maria Wall and her calling me a traitor. Mm -hmm. So Maria, I understand why you're saying the things you are. Uh, there's a lot of things that are weighing heavily on you as they are on many others. And you might've seen this in recent, you know, speeches that particular people have done. It seems like they're getting really worn down and really on the edge. So Maria says, it's long. If I put it up, it's going to cover the whole thing. So I'll just okay. read it. Danielle Smith kept all the ministers in her party that are responsible for thousands of deaths and bankruptcies of thousands of small businesses. Suicides, elderly elderly people die. All, or, sorry, elderly people die in all alone, locked in the rooms without any families. There was no goodbyes. I want accountability. There are still people waiting for transplants that were denied because of their medical choices. There are four Alberta men in jail for over a year. And do not tell me Daniel Smith can't do anything that is bull. Yeah. So Maria, I, I completely understand your frustration. For the last two and a half years or whatever, um, thousands of people have shared their stories with me. And I feel the weight of those stories every day. And I can guarantee you that if it hadn't been for those stories, I wouldn't have continued doing what I was doing. I would have had my little protest and then quietly gone back into nothing Yep. and and just let everything be but i didn't because i hear about the things you're referencing all the time and if you think for one second that i'm going to do anything that threatens the uh accountability that we all want for those issues you got another thing coming and you really got to go back and watch and see what i've been doing and what those around me have been doing some of the things you say um you know i i i can't say for sure that these are all things that a premier, a new premier, a new leader of a party can do in six months. I, I don't think it is. I think this is much bigger. Um, one of the things yeah. that's mentioned all the time is the human rights things for vaccinated or medical choices or whatever. Um, 
there's things happening that people don't know about. Like there's things running through court, which is the best way to deal with them because the next government could just take legislation away that this government puts in. So this government all puts in all this legislation um, that deals with some of these problems, doesn't really make any advances anyway, and then loses an election because they've alienated so many people by doing so much so fast. And the next government takes all that stuff away. So there are things that we don't understand going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, if you if you think still think I'm a traitor for that, so be it. Um, let me uh, let me weigh in on this uh, as well, um, Maria. The ability of the premier to hold um, caucus members accountable is not possible, um, but the public can hold them accountable through the voting process. That's the way that accountability occurs. Um, The premier has fired the AHS board. Um, That's something that she could do, and she did. She'd like to fire the um, College of Physicians and Surgeons um, board as well. The legislation doesn't allow that, and that's continuing to be evaluated. The issue of the lady who needs a double lung transplant who was denied. Remember, I was the director of the heart and the lung transplant uh, program. I was approached by the premier for my opinion on that. And I spoke to the people who are now in charge of the lung transplant program. The problem is, is that again, the legislation didn't allow, doesn't allow the premier to do very much here in this particular issue. So I spoke and tried to persuade them um, in, in a, in, in, in a uh, way in which the lady who doesn't want to be subjected to the uh, mRNA jab uh, would still be a candidate for uh, lung transplantation. And I've spoken to the lawyer and I've, I've uh, spoken to the patient herself. So when you, think, when you say that things aren't occurring, they actually are occurring. It's just that you haven't seen them. And for the lady who needs a transplant, it's now before the Supreme Court. The problem is, and I'll explain this very clearly, there is no double-blind, randomized study that shows a difference between someone who's not been given the mRNA jab and has had a lung transplant Mm -hmm. and someone who has. The study has never been done. So there's no evidence that is definitive that says that someone who hasn't had the jab Uh, There's no evidence to support not um, accepting that person as a candidate for transplantation. So how was the decision made? Group think. International consensus. That's how it was made. Trust the science. Yeah, but there there was no science. There was no science. There was no science because there was no definitive study that compared the two circumstances. Um, so, and, and, you know, the medical staff are afraid 
they're afraid to buck the system um, as well. So things are changing. Uh, and this, this, they, this is why. This is why they're scared to buck the system. Yeah, yeah. Because the College of Physicians and Surgeons is managed by lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there's there's a there's there's a lot that um, is going to change with respect to the college over time, and I think you'll see those changes um, once uh, should it be the case that the UCP are uh, uh, re-elected as the governing body for the uh, for the province. Um, I mean, it's it's been abundantly clear that first do no harm and informed consent was not um implemented during the COVID period mm -hmm. and it's still not being in in many respects uh, and that's just an anathema for me who's spent my entire um, professional life in the medical profession i'm embarrassed by it um, and i'm angered by it um, and i think there's an area of serious accountability um, that that needs to take place. And I think for all of those uh, people involved that um, did not allow the medical profession to function as it normally does, they need to be held accountable. Yeah. And I think it's coming. It's just a matter of time. Here's so, another question. Yeah. And this is a, something that a lot of people, including myself, are upset about. We're still locking up our seniors when they have symptoms. They are still getting jabbed. And there was a comment before from Michelle. Sorry, Michelle, I, I missed it. But it was uh, about, you know, I'm just going to find it. I think I can go back here. Here it is. So you're saying that there was not a way to pull the jabs in order to at least protect the children or protect people from being discriminated against for not wearing masks in HS. Like right now. Like right now. Yeah. Right now. Well, okay, so freedom. Well, I would... I the, would the jabs... Uh, sorry, the reason I said freedom is because the jabs um, don't harm everyone. They harm people. Mm -hmm. It's not a large number, but it's much larger than the number that it should be pulled for. Absolutely. And people can see it right now. They, the, the statistics and the evidence and the efficacy and those things, it's all there for people to look at. And they're free to choose, at least now, without having their... Um, I, actually, that's not true. There are still some places that probably require this. But for the most part, people are free to choose this. So yeah. I, 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 I don't know if... I don't know what, I don't know what to say besides that. <laughs> Well, I, I, I can weigh in on this um, uh, a little bit. Um, the uh, person who is the uh, chief medical officer, Mark Joffe, is in this position on an interim basis. Um, again, um, and I reiterate, uh, the major changes that will come with respect to having someone in that position uh, who uh, will... Um, who will insist that children not be forced or that nobody be forced uh, into taking these mRNA jobs. That's coming. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know that that is coming. Uh, and I know that that's the way the premier feels. 
uh, as well, because I've talked to her about it. But again, it's a matter of timing. Right now, um, remember, there's still a lot of people out there. I mean, when you go out in the public and you're driving, you'll still see people in cars wearing their masks. Yeah. So people see in grocery stores wearing their masks. Grocery stores, there's, there, there's a lot of people still who believe that the, um, the of the necessity for these mRNA jabs. Okay, so so from a political point of view, it's a matter of winning the election and gradually weaning these people off this false narrative. They. Um, uh, so I understand, I, I, you know, I always try and think strategically and eight or 10 steps ahead um, when you're thinking about what needs to be done. There's some very smart people uh, within the UCP. Um, and, um, and Danielle is one of them. And um, in my opinion, I think you're gonna see um, very soon after the election, uh, if the UCP wins, I think you're going to see uh, a complete secession of any um, enforcement of any mRNA jabs um, to anybody without their consent. And it doesn't matter their age. Um, even, if it, even if it was a federally mandated law? That's, that's, that's what I think. That's, yeah. that's what I believe is coming. Yeah. Um, it has to come uh, because it doesn't make sense otherwise. Now, if we were dealing with Ebola, that's a different matter. But we're not dealing with Ebola. We're dealing with um, a virus that constantly mutates. 82% uh, of, uh, of its genetic composition is identical to that of the common cold. You've got a 99.97 probability of surviving if you're under 70, and if you're under 40, you got a 99.997% probability, and if you're if you're under 20 or 30, it's just about 100%. Yeah. So, so um, what's the point of getting vaccinated, um, particularly when there's such a high um, uh, rate of uh, of uh, complications and mortality that is um, being identified mm -hmm. and it's very underreported right now anyhow but we're seeing the insurance companies battle with the pharmaceutical companies now yeah. on um, life table and survival data mm -hmm. and, um, and excess deaths and, and yeah. excess deaths exactly so so there's accountability is coming it's just that for many of us none of this ever happens fast enough Mm -hmm. Right. And and for many of us, it doesn't happen fast enough to the point where additional people are being harmed, mm -hmm. which is maddening. You know, so um, that's why I say, you know, uh, I think I could be a pretty strong agitator for doing the right thing if uh, if I was so fortunate to be elected, if I make the decision that I even want to run. Mm -hmm. So. so with that said, um, if you're asking yourself, well, what do I do? I would say if these issues are important to you, then you get to know the candidate that is as, right. uh, yeah, trying right. to get your vote in your area. Yeah. And you have these conversations with them. And if it's a 
Independence Party of Alberta candidate that best answers your questions and you feel that they will represent you the best and they'll bring things that you're you think are important to the legislature vote for them yeah. if it's a ucp uh person vote for them but vote for the person who you um most closely align your your values with and who's yeah. going who you feel is going to be most effective to deal with those issues in the legislature just get out and vote. I, I agree with you, Chris. Just vote. Vote for whoever you want, but vote. Get out there and make a difference. You know, I'd like to see, you know, what? one of the things I'd love to see is I'd like to see, I think there are some countries, I don't know which ones they are, but it's mandatory to vote. Yeah. If you're an eligible voter, oh. you have to vote. Michelle you makes know? a good point here, and I should have mentioned this as well. There are still places that require it. The and shop, as for yeah. freedom, the important factor for freedom in making a choice is informed consent. Yeah. And that's, that is the most important yes. in making yeah. a choice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when you have the protocol for COVID being, and for example, remdesivir, which kills people yet HS gives it, please forgive any typos. Michelle, yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to harp on you with your typos. I yeah. harped on Maria's typos because she called me a traitor and that was a little bit upsetting. Um, I don't have as thick of a skin as people think. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of weight on my shoulders and I'm kind of ready to snap too. So, Hearing people call me a traitor is, it's a little bit. Yeah. I think it was tractor. I think she did mean tractor. She yeah. did mean tractor. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, there is no informed consent, but people still chose to do it. And if at any point we had stood up in any group and said enough is enough, we're not going with you, it would have been over. If restaurants mm -hmm. had stood up, Together, it would have been over. Gyms, yeah. over. Salons, over. And again, so workers, over. we, we workers, find over. out, yeah, we find out after the fact that uh, AHS really didn't have that many agents. No, they didn't. No. And we also find out that the CMOH orders were actually illegal. Yes. Because yeah. she was supposed to make those decisions as a medical doctor, not ask cabinet what they wanted to do. So her orders were illegal. That judge that said that my protest was an illegal gathering that was wrong that was an illegal order it wasn't an illegal gathering i had every right to protest and yet here i am paying off twenty thousand dollars of fines yeah so i i understand that things aren't working fast enough and it's very frustrating but uh we we gotta we have to think really clearly and we have to stop allowing these distractions like oh did you hear that it's been proven that Dennis Modry sold out to the UCP? What? Where is the evidence to this? Look at what the man's doing and then weigh that against what people are saying and and also who is saying it, right? We have to be smarter than this. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll lose. Divide. They're, that's what they're doing. Like, it yeah. doesn't doesn't really matter, right? They're... Oh, I hear footsteps in the hallway. Strategic... Oh. More, more strategy. Uh, people just trying to divide us. Yeah. People smarter um, than we are. <laughs> see, that's where that's where the socialists, the NDP, do such a good job, uh, and the liberals is they come together better than the yeah. conservatives. Yeah. Um, conservatives are independent thinkers, um, and so they they have their views. Uh, but that's why I wanted to encourage people to say, look, um, you know, 
try and find somebody or some party that you agree with the majority of the things that they are advocating mm-hmm. for. Because you're never going to find someone who agrees with everything. Um, and because uh, that's the way it is in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, think of your think of your partner. Um, do you agree on everything? No, you don't. Yeah. Of course you don't. But you learn to live with them, right? I agree with what I'm told to agree with. <laughs> I've seen that in action. Jessica's got you in that control, does, does she? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you agree because you don't want to get into a fight, you know, yeah. but, but you, you don't really. No, agree. it's mostly always because she's right. <laughs> You're a smart man, man, Mr. Scott. You're a smart man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're almost three hours. So I'm going to just say if you, if you have any more questions, uh, I know that at least two of the three ladies who resigned from the Alberta prosperity project are watching this tonight or Mm -hmm. we're watching. Um, If they have any comments or questions to put up, I'd be happy to put it up on the screen. And have Dennis respond. Um, and yeah, if, if you have questions, get them up there right away. And we'll do our best, or Dennis will answer them for you. And then uh, I'm going to go to bed because I'm old. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I wish I was as old as you. <laughs> sure, I'll be saying that someday too. Uh, yeah. Ah, there's a good question from Lori. Where's Norman? Norman is... Not in here because the chicken's the boss. Yeah. But Norman's doing great. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, yep, I have the chicken. <laughs> I heard Jess. Yeah. Did you did you notice my new prop back there, Dennis? Yeah, it moves every now and then. I did. Yeah. yeah. She's a good pet. It probably shits too. I'm not sure. You should uh, check behind. Constantly. That chair. Constantly. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, Francesca. Yeah. Sometimes the questions are a little bit behind to get up on the screen, but yeah. Yeah. I figured I'd throw some of these up just so you can see it. Marianne, yeah. I know, well, actually, I've noticed there are a lot of a lot of comments, and obviously I haven't had an opportunity to get to all of them. Um, but... Um, Uh, no, I like that. That is probably absolutely true. Yes. Chicken is well informed. Yeah. 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 You know, if uh, if we could somehow get ads on CTV and CBC and Global, you know, and uh, and billboards and well, this is the thing. This is the thing that requires money. It requires oh, absolutely money. And I'm hoping that as a result of the connections that I've had in the recent correspondence that's come to me, that I can refer them uh, to uh, uh, to Reg and uh, the the CEO now. Um, And I see that you know a number of very nice comments have come through. Thank thank you to all of you who um, have taken the time to listen to this discussion. I. 
it's rather humbling. Somebody just asked, can this be shared later? Yeah, it uh, it'll it'll be on the Whistle Stop Facebook page, but I'll also put it on probably in the next hour or so on the Chris and Carrie show, which we're on Rumble and BitChute and uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of things. Just go to the com and uh, I'll have that posted for sure. Great. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Thanks, guys. I, thank I you appreciate so you putting this on. And uh, for all of the listeners, thank you for tuning in. Whether you liked what you heard or, you know, you're still angry with me, um, I accept what whatever your perspective is. Uh, but get out and vote uh, yeah. how, however you would like to vote. So yeah, I agree. Well, thanks, guys. Chris, Kerry, thanks for hosting me. Thank you. And, yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for spending so much time with us and uh, yeah. answering all these questions. It was, I, I hope I hope that it was it was effective. I mean, we're not going to reach everybody, but yeah. we're doing the best we can, and I appreciate it. Okay. Well, take care, guys. Okay. Thanks. thanks, thanks. Okay. okay. Bye bye. It's going to be boring with just us. Yeah, I know. Because what do we talk about? Chicken? <laughs> no, that was good. I mean, uh, there's still probably some questions that uh, that could definitely be asked. And you know what? We'll we'll digest this for this evening. And uh, it's not like we don't know Dennis and we can't just follow up with him. So, I mean, that's always a possibility too. And and again, if, if this is still out there in uh, the interwebs uh people can always ask and make comments and i'll go back and take a look at them tomorrow and then you know try and do a little more diligent work in in keeping up with those i know usually after they're posted i'll go back and maybe look at them maybe you know maybe the next morning and then i kind of abandon it just because by that time chris has already done another live that needs to be posted and and TikToked and Where's my, I don't have a restaurant. Sadly, I do not have a restaurant. I've had uh, a couple of other opportunities kind of come my way in the last little while, but you know what? This is, it's such a weird time to be opening a restaurant. I can't even imagine running a restaurant right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun with energy prices skyrocketing. Everything is skyrocketing. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. If I could just have like a, a little bar that just serves canned beer, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> we should do that. Probably no one would go, but you know. We should have a beer truck, a beer bus. A beer, yes, we should. Actually, one of those those uh pedal buses would be awesome. I think you can drink beer on those. Yes. You can I'm drink beer sure. anywhere, it's beer. Well, you can drink beer in uh in parks now. Right, as yes. of a couple of years ago, yeah. I think it's still designated with with tables in the park. But I could be wrong because someone wants to rent your restaurant and do a photo shot there. Photo shoot. A photo shoot there. Can I rent it and do a photo? No, I no, I can't really tell you. You can do photo shoot down here. That would be better. <laughs> ah, that's what it is. They probably think that's your restaurant. Oh, that's what. No, no, no. This is just my base. <laughs> I've got other Here's stuff over here crazy. too, so I'm not uh, I'm not gonna pan the camera or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, you know it it's such a tough climate that uh, yeah, like I said, to open a restaurant or even take take it over, um, even just in the last couple of days, 
many people have actually sent me messages about a hotel because it has a bar in it. And uh, as cool as that would be, I know nothing about running a hotel and I've probably learned pretty quick, but uh, it would all be about the bar. It would be about the entertainment and, and the music and uh, probably beer. Probably be about that too. Mine's yeah. empty. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. Anyways, having said all that. A lot. You said a lot. I did. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. <laughs> Well, that was great. I'm I'm so glad that uh, Dennis was able to talk and uh, and you know at least tell us up to a point what the story is. And I think that uh, you know people should respect that. I know even even in my own personal life, you know, certain things happen and and you don't want to talk about it. And uh, and people should respect that. And um, and maybe I just need a couple of therapists. Yeah, don't we all? And remember, yeah. the if you're wondering about something, the simplest explanation is almost always the correct one. Yeah. So if you're these things pop up and you know you have, it's different for me and you, Carrie, because we can phone Dennis, and I did phone Dennis, and I was like, what, what the heck? Yeah. Can you give me a heads up before you poke a hornet's nest? What the heck's going on here? Yeah. And we have a conversation about these things. And every time something like this has come up, every time I was pulled aside an APP thing and said, you know, just be careful with Dennis because he's working for the UCP. Mm-hmm. Every single time I phone Dennis and I say, you know, what have you done now? Yeah. What? Why are people saying this? And I get the story right from the horse's mouth. So I'm able to make these decisions like that yeah. and know what's going on. And, and most people can't. So I hope that we've been able to be effective in communicating with people as to, you know, what's going on yeah. and that it's, it's quelled their fears or whatever, or at least made them put them in a position where they're able to make a decision. Yeah. Um, that's really the best we can do, but I, yeah. I, mean, will, I, I, I will say for the record that I've always been able to talk to Dennis about anything. Mm-hmm. And he's always been upfront with me about what he's thinking or um, what, what, what his plans are. He's always answered my questions when I ask him about these things. And not only that, but he's asked my counsel on some of these issues. For example, the UCP for leadership forum, you know, so I mean, I, I get, I've become his friend and it's not just some stranger that I'm watching do things, mm-hmm. but because of that, I'm able to say that I believe that Dennis Modry has good intentions and is doing what he thinks is best yeah. um, to make this province a better place. And it has nothing to do with selling out to any particular person or party. Um, if he's doing something it, or considering it, it's because he's got that giant surgeon brain and he's really thinking about what would be best. That's, I, I truly believe that. Yeah. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt anyways. And maybe that's a, that's a, a bad thing on me. I don't know. Yeah, it can be, but really I'd rather be this way than the other. <laughs> yeah, other. that's true too. Can't be cynical and hateful against everything. And on, on that note, like I mentioned that I, I have 
faith and I trust Dennis Modry. I also have faith in Archie Pulowski and I trust him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it really upsets me when I, when I see people doing the political thing and spinning these stories about a man who's really trying to do something good for this province. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's a, he's become a good friend. He's not perfect. Sometimes he says things that I'm like, Art, why would you say that? I know exactly. He's, he's just being him. And yeah. he's not, you know, he does the things he's doing out of service for other people. Yeah, yeah. That's the simplest explanation. And in this case, I believe it to be the true one. Mm-hmm. Take that for what you will. Yeah, very good. All right. And with that, we're almost at three hours. Should we go for three hours or should we just? Well, people are. I mean, people are dropping like, should I say it? Well, and they should be. <laughs> dropping like flies. Uh, I still have time. Well, yeah, no, I'll just finish this beer and call it a night. Yeah. I get to work tomorrow and Friday and Saturday. I think I have to open Sunday. tomorrow. Do I open? I hope not. Yeah, well, maybe. I, I better find out. You should check. You should check I'll out. find out when my alarm goes off. <laughs> so what's... uh? What's your plan, Carrie? You got something coming up? You got some karaoke or something right away? Oh, yeah. Always karaoke on Fridays and Saturdays. And uh, and on Saturday, we're actually doing a uh, let's, you know, I'm going to get the, uh, the, the proper. We have an event coming up. Uh, let's Talk non- Truth. Non- let's Talk Truth. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yep. And actually, I wanted to. Uh, list off the speakers that's basically what i was looking for for my poster there it is let's oh, talk no, truth i don't want to tell you what i'm doing on saturday you go first okay let's talk truth conference uh march 4th and it as is at the Southside victory church and we have mark friesen who was just on here what are the odds mm-hmm. uh salim mansur mark morano uh, ran spotted bull and arthur Pulowski. And uh, it's an all-day event. It's like from nine until six, I believe, and it's fifty dollars a person. And Where you is can it? Go to, what's that? Where is it? It's at the Southside Victory Church. Oh, it's in Calgary. Yes, in Calgary. And okay. you can find out more by going letstalktruthconference.com. Okay, so then, yes, it's not so bad. What I have to tell you. Okay. Although I imagine you won't be at the Whistle Stop Cafe in Maryland. Oh, I know what's going on on Saturday. Yes. No, so we have an event right. called Let's Talk Hamburgers. <laughs> Let's eat hamburgers. Let's eat hamburgers. Yes, we have an event. Well, oh, I'm just calling it that now. So it's it's a, now it is officially named <laughs> Let's Eat Hamburgers at the Whistle Stop Cafe on Saturday from noon until four. Nice. We are doing free hamburgers again because I just do free hamburgers because why not? Right. So come on down to the Whistle Stop Cafe and have some free hamburgers. You might even get some free fries, depending on how I'm feeling. Wow. I mean, although if you call me a tractor, I'll probably still allow you to have a free hamburger. But... And, and they're homemade fries. They are, like, amazing. Like, potato, potato. There you go. And they're Oh, yeah. They're really good. They, they are... are grown um, about 15 miles from the Whistle Stop Cafe, uh, just outside of Alex, Alberta. And they crawl yeah. over or what happens? They crawl over, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually thrown over. They have a the farmer has a potato gun. He just launches them at the whistle stop. I say, Although, do they, they crawl I, over because I always have a bag of potatoes in my pantry. <laughs> when I go and look at them, they've they've grown like this, and it's like, oh yeah, they, uh, they're probably walking away. No. Yeah, yeah, they do that. 
I don't think we're going to make three hours, man. No, no. We're, we're already talking about crawling potatoes. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. I'm... And so then Calgary. I'm in Calgary. South Victory Church. South Victory Church, Saturday. Let's so basically I'll do, I'll do karaoke until 2 in the morning on Friday. Then I'll have to go to the South Side Victory Church for probably 8 set up the camera or whatever I'm involved in doing, do that until six o'clock and then go and host karaoke up in Airdrie that night and then probably get home at like four. So what you're saying is if I want to karaoke with you, I have to go the first day because the second day you're going to be a. Oh, I'm still going. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I still go. I still go. But then Sunday, Sunday I'm bagged, but uh, I still go. Yeah. I wonder if I'll be able to get out. I really want to go, to go do some karaoke now. I've been really yeah, karaoke practicing in the car, yeah. and I think I'm really good. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Tiny Tim? Uh, yes. Tip yeah. through, the, through the tulips. My new favorite song. That, I can you, know, you could do that one. Oh, no I problem. still like uh, I still like Rocket Man. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> Teams, team songs are the best songs. We're not going to take it, or... Uh... Is that what you mean? Like a, a uh, No, what's that one where, we, where you're uh, Cheryl Crow and I'm Kid Rock? Oh, a picture. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, that's classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we definitely have to do the uh, the two-guy version of uh, picture. Is there a two-guy version? Well, it's just it's just the normal version, except... There song. will be. <laughs> I, have, I have done that uh, duo as both the, uh, the guy and the girl. I've done Islands of the Stream as the guy and the girl. I've done Grease as the guy and the girl. I've done pretty much any kind of duo I've done as the guy and the girl because the guy will come up and say, well, I don't have anybody to sing with. And then they've tried to find someone and it's like, can you sing with me? And it's like, okay, I'll do it. And uh, but it's, great. it's it's pretty funny when it does happen that way. Jackson would be a good one. Jackson's a good one. I've done both. Yep. You yeah. you be John. I'll be you be June. I'll be John. <laughs> yep. Or you can be Reese, and I will be Yak Queen. Yes, that's right. That's right. That I actually like that that version better. Only got a more punchier beat to it. But again, that would have been recorded like in the lot when when did that movie come out? Ten years ago. Yeah, so that's why it sounds so much better yeah there you go yeah so we got uh, 40 more seconds <laughs> we're doing three hours <laughs> you know the chicken's been asleep most of the time back there uh, but she he puts herself to bed I only I brought her in here she was uh, on the on her little cage like on the top she just sits yeah. on the top I don't know how she balances yeah. But they like to be up when they sleep, right? So one of her favorite places, and she'll put herself there at night, is on the cat house. The top oh, of the yeah. cat tree thing. Yep. So the chicken's up there sleeping, and the cats are on the couch looking at the chicken like, we want our cat house, but that thing's going to kill us. Because <laughs> the bird, like, she really... I know. I've seen it. And that and that chicken likes to be petted. Yes. Not. <laughs> Not choked. <laughs> oh, I was and say, with that, we I wasn't sure if I should hours. say it. Yeah, we're we on to choking chickens, so we better wrap up. Ah! Right. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Love you all. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. All right. All right.